We actually tried one time. We I don't remember when it was exactly, but we opened the set with Walls. Oh wow! And and played, and then when we got to the end, we played the last song, and and the crowd wouldn't stop yelling Walls again. <laughs> yeah, he played it again, and so we played it again. <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious. The show. But that's the only time we're like, okay, well, we're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> that's really funny. Welcome to Church Jams Now, the podcast where three former youth group kids and current music nerds deep dive into Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. I, of course, am your co-host, Kylan Savage. With me, as always, is Mr. TJ Smith. Hey, man. How's your week's end going? You know, uh, I totally panicked. That was really good. Thank you. And beautiful producer, Josh. Oh, I thought it was the beginning of the week, but hello. Hello. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm all switched around here. By all accounts, today was a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Nice. And, of course, we have a special guest this week. Uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Devin Shelton from the band Emery. How's it going, Devin? Woo. Good, good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. We're very well, good, I think. Good. I know TJ's sick, but I'm great. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling, man. I'm on cloud nine right now. Now, where do, where do you guys live? You guys spread out or what? We are. I'm in Northwest Arkansas. Yep, I'm in Vancouver, Washington, just across from Portland, Oregon. Oh, nice. Okay. And I'm in Fort Worth. Oh, okay. So you guys all have been experiencing the cold weather as well, mostly. Yep. Yeah, oh, it's, it's still uh, crazy. Devin, I'm I'm honestly glad you couldn't make it last week because it was negative two, or maybe it got up to two degrees, and I'm in an unfinished basement. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> I was as I told these guys, it was so cold I could see my breath. Um, but it's a balmy, it's a balmy thirty-three here today. I feel like I'm on vacation yep. now. So nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I live in Illinois now, so it's oh, okay. it's been it's been pretty cold for the past week or so. Has it That's been sad. snowing up there? So where where I live is like right in the middle of the state, and if you watch like like you know when you look on your weather app or whatever, you watch the weather kind of the pattern it, it like the snow almost always just goes like right above us to the towards chicago and the lake right. okay and so we don't get very much snow we get a few inches here and there um but it's we get the cold it's just not yeah the, not oh yeah part, that's what it's been like here brutal. this year like we had snow yeah. for like two days and then it was still 11 degrees but sunny so all the snow melted and now it's, it feels like a trick it feels like right. I'm, if it's gonna be cold I, I would at least like some snow but <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. What are you do? So I want to start the show. Usually, you know, we like to do a little interview. One thing I'm very interested in is origin stories. So, you know, our show is about Christian and Christian adjacent, uh, like youth group bands, uh, essentially, yeah. uh, from the nineties and two thousands. So I'm always very curious what people's origin stories are, like how they kind of got into that scene. What was the music they listened to growing up? Because for the three of us, I think the big thing was, like, we could only, basically, if it was sold in Lifeway, we could listen to it, and not <laughs> much else outside. So I'm always curious. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm similar in a in a way. I mean, I, I grew up in South Carolina, and very much, like, very conservative Christian, you know, um, you know, pretty charismatic, like, church 
background, my family and everything. And so mm. we listened to a lot of Southern gospel. It was all, it, you know, it's, it's really cool stuff. Like it's really great music. It's really yeah. fun music. Um, you know, but then it's a little like beyond this world. Everything's about the next world and nobody really right. wants to right. be here. It's kind of, right. it's like a happy, depressing kind of, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. And so uh, I grew up on that and we didn't, you know, I loved R&B music. I just loved mm-hmm. vocals. I always did love vocals. And so I kind of grew up on a little bit of the gospel, a little bit of R&B. Like I could get away with listening to, you know, some 80s kind of R&B stuff, Boys to Men in the 90s. Like nice, that was my nice. that was my jam back then. And they didn't, you know, it was it was relatively clean. And so my parents were like, oh, yeah, that's that's fine. And then um, I never we never really listened to much rock. I couldn't listen to rock or or it just wasn't like I just really wasn't into it, you know, right, until, right. until I got towards high school. So and then what did you get into towards high school? Uh, you know, it was, it was mainly like just whatever came on the radio. And so, you know, in the early nineties, this, when you started hearing Nirvana and Pearl Jam and then, you know, Weezer and Foo Fighters and all. And and so as that stuff kind of became more mainstream, um, as I was kind of hitting, you know, junior high, high, high school, it was like, oh, okay, these songs are, these are cool. These these songs are different. They're, they have a little something because, you know, it came out of the eighties, which was like, all real like flashy and glamorous, right. a lot of stuff and, and, and stuff. Yes. A lot of keys and a lot of, you know, that kind of thing. And so it went into this real raw sounding rock, yeah, you know, it was like a and reaction so, against all that. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So that caught my attention for sure. I remember, I think the first like rock album that I actually bought for some reason, I don't know why it wasn't a Nirvana or, uh, Pearl Jam or something, but for some reason the first one I bought was Silverchair, Frog oh, nice. Stop, Ooh, and uh, nice. I listened to that thing. I mean, a hundred times, <laughs> at least, you know, just Wild. over and over. So that's kind of when I got into a little bit more of that genre, and uh, still didn't really know what to do with it. You know, it wasn't. We didn't really have underground uh, music where I where I lived. It just wasn't accessible, and not there's no way we could really know about it. Right. And so it was all just main, it was all the the rock music on the radio. And so as I got into that, we, me and a few buddies started playing some covers for fun. Like Matt, our guitar player, he was like the first one that I knew that kind of was like, Hey, let's jam in our, <laughs> my bedroom with a drum set and a guitar and just play Nirvana and Weezer and whatever. Nice. And so I, all I could do was sing. So I was like, Oh yeah, I'll, I'll sing some songs. <laughs> so that was kind of how we get broke out into a little bit more of the edgier kind of vibe, you know, because before that, like I said, it was all pretty straight laced, you know, Christian stuff. So, yeah, I didn't know anything about Christian rock or anything. I mean, I went to some oh. Christian concerts back then, you know, I probably went to, I think I saw Audio Adrenaline maybe one time. Nice. Long nice. time ago. It was a bunch of, it was just a bunch of Southern gospel. It just wasn't like, right. you know. Maybe a couple of things here and there, but not much. Yeah, those were those were kind of the musical waters you were swimming in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool, man. That's that's interesting context, actually, because I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that, but now that you say it, it makes a lot of the song structures and song styles make a little bit of sense. Like it's it's yep. subtle, maybe, but right. yeah, 
I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna dig back into y'all's discography <laughs> in a new way now. <laughs> So that's, that's just cool, just imagine they're all Gaither vocal band covers. Yeah, right. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. But I mean, we you know, there's an appreciation that we really do have for that for sure. style yeah. music. It's cheesy Absolutely. and it's a little goofy sometimes and that's that's just whatever, but yeah, it's like all but the music. chops, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah but the, I mean, those guys can sing and there's yeah. some really cool movement in that in that music skill. and stuff. And so especially with for me, especially just like the R&B genre, it's just yeah. There's so much depth to it, and so that just always stuck with me. Mm. And so, a lot of my songs tend to kind of lean towards that, that direction, you know, yeah. a little bit in yeah. some ways. So, kind of soulful, right. yeah, yeah, definitely bodied and, and like passionate. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just in me, you know. Mm-hmm. Totally so. that. At the risk of this interview episode going on for a million years i don't i don't want to dig too deep i don't want to rehash the whole like history of well, emory because fortunately emory is a very well documented band exactly exactly like <laughs> all <laughs> five billion of y'all's podcasts so you can learn yeah exactly all about exactly Emery's there's origins. other resources yeah. for that yeah please yep. go listen to those podcasts <laughs> but i do so i do want to get in then a little bit dig into so the album we're covering is the week's end and uh i would love to know a little bit about uh like you personally and the band's sort of uh headspace that y'all were in going into making this record um you know how much how much time had y'all worked on these songs going into that kind of you know just a little bit about that specific place and time yeah, I mean, uh, kind of continuing on from you know what I was talking about before when we started kind of getting into some of the '90s rock and and stuff like that. That kind of bled into you know some of the because we we went to college in like the mid to late '90s, and so uh, you know it was like right around that turning point of grunge and then rock and a little bit of you know some of the punk and some of the emo kind of came through. Like I would even consider mm-hmm. you know. Um, Pink, uh, Pinkerton Weezer's second album is oh, very yeah. emo kind of feeling mm-hmm. you know there's yeah. very there's a lot of rawness to it and it's not really meant to be produced and so mm-hmm. that that we really connected to some of that style that was a little less slick and so kind of tapped into an an emotional um, part that we didn't really experience before and so and then that obviously progressed into college where our friend was really into uh, indie rock and we had, were just learning about it. He was showing us all these bands, you know, all these, uh, you know, deep Ellen bands and tooth and nail and all this stuff like, you know, mm. mineral and sunny yeah. day real estate and Pedro the lion. Right. Right. We're getting nice. into Zayo and, uh, you know, just all, all these different things that we we're like, I didn't know idea this was even <laughs> yeah. I didn't know this thing. existed. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And so it was just, I mean, we were soaking up music like just throughout our, you know, first few years of of college while at the same time playing in these bands that were like, you know, cover slash, you know, original, you know, like uh, local bar band, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of things. And so we were kind of morphing into something, but we were more interested in writing new music and less interested in playing covers, you know, so it was becoming more of a thing. And then, as college was kind of wrapping up and we don't have to go into the whole, how did it happen thing, but mm. basically four of us, me, Matt, Toby, and then our friend from college, Joey, um, he, we decided, Hey, 
we got to get serious and we're going to move to Seattle from South Carolina, that whole story. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. once, as we were doing that, that was when we were like, okay, we're, we got to, we're, we're making this new music. It's something different and something we want to do. And so we just got to be serious about it. We can't play in front of 12 of our friends anymore. And right. Yeah. So we had to. So it was just all that coming out. And Toby had written a record with with Joey and me and Matt kind of helped play on it. Uh, and it was way more like emo, like early emo stuff. Um, their band, it, had, it was called Joe 747. And he was writing this really cool stuff that was just so different. And me and Matt were in this other band. And we were writing a little bit more mainstream kind of rock, grunge, deaf tones, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um and then, so basically, those two genres that we were working with, we just said, "All right, let's Smashed them let's together. collaborate yeah. these." <laughs> that's and great. that's when Emory was formed. And then, uh, you know, we had already been working on some of the songs, and this was like around two thousand mm-hmm. and uh, ninety nine, two thousand. The early rendition of Walls, we were kind of playing like a little intro thing at some of the shows, and it was the early version of Walls with no real vocals or anything. Hmm. Huh. And I wrote The Secret in like the year, like 2000, uh, and we played it at a little coffee shop, you know, and oh, cool. these were just all being like toyed with, all these ideas and um, a few other songs that we had. And, and then after we said, all right, we're Emory we're going to move and we're going to do this, like go, go all out. That's when everything kind of started building in that direction. So I, w- I mean, yeah, I would say from like 1999 to 2003 was the, the writing, writing of the weeks in like, that whole span of time was like, okay, let's figure out who we are. Right. And then we'll, f- then we'll work on getting these songs, you know, nice and tidied up, you know? So essentially that, that album was part of the journey of y'all kind of, forming your identity and, and yeah. establishing it. It really was. I mean, it, did most yeah. of it happen once y'all were in Seattle or was it kind of half and half or I'd say most once we were in Seattle, hmm. you know, like I said, we had a f- three or four, um, you know, s- songs ish kind of things as we, when we moved to Seattle, uh, and we, you know, we would play, like we would try to get these local shows and all that. And it was really difficult, but we would play south of Seattle in a town called Tacoma. Mm-hmm. And uh, you guys, I mean, obviously, you know, from El- <laughs> one of the first shows we ever played was in your town. Oh, really? Yes. In it was uh, in Vancouver. <laughs> wow. It was at a little like, uh, I don't even know what it was exactly. It was a little little church slash, you know, multifunctional right, building right, kind of thing. Yeah, kind of thing. And wow. uh Super small little place, and we played in there. We played with a punk band. Nice. Shoot, their name just escaped me, but they were they were a cool band back then. And so that once we moved there, it was like, oh, okay, there's more of these kind of bands here, right. yeah, than there were sure. where we were. There was not like none. There was hardly right. none. And so we t- we were able to kind of because we were uh we were a little different. We were like a little slower emo. And all these bands that we started playing with were a little more punk, a little faster, right, like, yeah. you know, those some ska, ska yeah, and punk yeah. and all that stuff <laughs> and some metal. And we were like, oh, this is different. This is a little bit more upbeat than us. So I think we were, we kind of like pulled, you know, some inspiration from a few of these d- different uh, areas, especially when we moved to Seattle. So I would say it was probably the majority kind of came when once, once we were in Seattle, but it was kind of forming before that. 
So did y'all? So you, you said multiple times y'all y'all really started with a lot of these big like emo influences. Um, so I'm curious, like some of the heavier elements of Emery, what was a lot of that sort of from being involved, like in that scene, like just wanting to like connect with audiences and like being friends with people. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, yeah. or, I'm curious about that. I, I would say it's probably a little of both, but ultimately mm. we re- we really like, we started liking heavy music you know, once we kind of got into college, that was like, oh, the, it, there was an energy to it that we hadn't really experienced before. Right. You know, with some of this hardcore stuff, even though I was like, I didn't really love the screaming at first. I was like, you know, it's, it's just kind of wild, you know, to listen to <laughs> when I was, you know, first getting into it. But the music, I was like, oh, this is, this is nice. Like right. the music, it felt, a lot of times the music felt a little bit more, uh, honestly a little bit like hip-hop it was like you know there's some kind of beat to it and there's some kind of right. it's all rhythmic about the screaming and the and the right. riffs and all that and so deftones really hit like i really like the deftones in like the late 90s and get, we got into some of that heavier kind of mainstream stuff that kind of bled over into that and i mean some of the heavy stuff that we wrote like we were really melodic but it felt. I remember listening to Pedro the Lion, uh, his first EP. It was called the Whole EP. Mm-hmm. There's a song on there called "Almost There," and it's a real slow, droney song. I mean, it's a beautiful song. Was yeah. But then it, there's a part in the song where he's just playing. The music's still very quiet, but he's screaming like "Almost mm-hmm. There." You know, he's just mm-hmm. like screaming. Yeah. And and that one really, we we used to listen to that song all the time, and so we just wanted like it felt like the natural progression of what we were trying to achieve in an emotional type of music was, well, if you, you know, if you get to this point in the song that is so intense and so, you know, you can't hold it in anymore. You just have to like, let like right. the next yeah, progression yeah. was screaming. You just got to scream now. Yeah. So that was, sure. it felt more of a natural way of expressing an intense, heavy part, you know, to us. So like right. that, that's where the screaming kind of came in and, but and you know, and then occasionally he's like, "Oh, yes, it's fun. Let's just write a like a heavy riff or whatever." Yeah. You know, and I remember at that time we were also listening. I, we got really big into um, Refused. Oh uh, yeah, man! The, the Shape of Punk to Come came out around come. that time, <laughs> and we album. were just like, "Oh my god, this this album is like something special." You know, so yeah. we listened to that all the time, and it was just fun and dancey and heavy, and we were just like, "Man, this is this is cool." So okay. all those different elements coming in from different locations. And, th- right. and again, you know, we were just soaking it all in. It's like, whoa, this is just like so much new stuff for us in a short period of time. And it just kind of, inf- you know, impacted us pretty heavy. That's awesome. Nice. Yeah. So I want to, if the guys are cool with it, I want to talk about Ed Rose a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so you guys, you guys recorded this album with Ed Rose. Uh, yep. And I'm curious how y'all got, hooked up with him was that like through tooth and nail or you guys just really wanted to work with him or how did that happen yeah we just it was us we um we didn't we weren't signed to tooth and nail uh when we went to him so okay uh that was just our decision so basically you know we like i said we were big fans of a bunch of different emo bands and 
early indie rock right. pop yeah pop i mean stuff. and edra i mean apple seed cast get up kids right. i mean apple that's like loved, <laughs> yeah loved apple seed cast yes. so oh, much this is the second apple seed cast reference of 2024 on church nice. i'm here for it <laughs> oh gosh we used to listen to them all the time and get up so kids good. and uh they had a heavier band too oh reggie and the full effect reggie. We yeah were fans of reggie and the full Love effect reggie and, and uh so, yeah, that was just a bunch of stuff that were like, oh, man, he just works with the best bands, yeah. and it's just so good. And so we basically just emailed him, you know, whenever it was, and just like, hey, you know, we're interested in recording with you. We're big fans of all these bands, and this is our style, did you, whatever. Did you send him some demos and stuff? or or? Yeah, yeah. After we initially talked to him, he, you yeah. know, told us, like, to send him some stuff, and um, he was like he was going to have some notes for us and things like that. So yeah, obviously, and it's you know it's funny because we had never worked with like a real producer before, so we didn't really know what to expect. And Ed Rose has a certain type of personality; mm. he's just a down to business guy. He's not he's not looking to buddy <laughs> right. buddy, or anything, right. you know. Right. So, uh, and we were you know just idiot little rednecks right. you know, from Carolina, <laughs> trying to figure it out. And he was like, "Well, he just like okay, shorten this song, take this part out, don't do this." You know, it was basically like Trimming the fat. all these little things. It's like. And we were like, oh, come on. <laughs> you, know, you know, you take offense right, yeah, to all that stuff when you're young. Sure. You're but like, I'm you're an artiste. Yeah. <laughs> you're trying to protect something. And you, obviously, you don't, we didn't know. But um, yeah, he was, he was incredible. I mean, we can talk more about that. But it was, he, he, he made a big impact on us in a very short period of time, for sure. Yeah. Wow. Do you, do you feel like the Weeks In would have been a very, very different album? Like, what, would, it have, would it have hit like it did? If, if it hadn't been with Ed? It would have been different. I mean, yeah. it would have been like if we had gone with Aaron Sprinkle, you know, or something, sure. if, if we had been connected to Tooth and Nail and somehow, it would have been so different. It would have been so different. I Probably not as good, to be honest. I mean, I think mm. they were both very, very good at what they do in sure. very different ways. But at that time, maybe you all needed like the crucible that yes. Ed was, like yes. purification through fire. Yeah, yeah. He He was just like... <laughs> Look, do you want to know how to write better music or not? <laughs> right. When you put oh, it that okay. way, I guess. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Cut and dry. Got it. <laughs> but I mean, he, you know, and he wasn't like, he wasn't giving us like compliments or saying, oh, this is good stuff, guys. It was just like, he would show up at 8 a.m. So we were there for 10 days. Mm-hmm. That was what we could afford. We were there for 10 days and he only worked Monday through Friday. So we didn't work the weekend. But he was like, he got there at eight o'clock every morning. And I, he left at five on the dot every single day. Work life so balance. Was no, yes, there was no <laughs> like flexibility in that at all. And so we had mm. to be de- in the studio at eight o'clock. It was like, well, we got to get stuff done. Right. right. So we were in there at eight o'clock every day and just working on stuff. And we, you know, we were decent musicians, but like our drummer, Seth, on the first album, like he's not the best drummer in the world. You know, and we can all admit that he, I mean, he's, he was fine, but he kind of just right. filled a spot that we needed and he's sure. good enough. You know what I mean? Right. He's not yeah, like yeah. bad. He just, yeah, but it's, it's different than right. being like a studio session player. It's different than Dave. Yes. Yeah. Locked in. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And yeah. different than Dave for sure. And we could, and we had never even been in an, an official studio before, you know, we had done garage tracks and stuff like that, but right. so this was different. This was, you know, an efficiency that we hadn't experienced before. Which helped us understand how things work and that we're, it's not all about your artistry. It's about understanding a balance of right. that. So, 
Yeah. They, he really taught us a lot when it yeah. came to that. So that's so cool. Nice. Yeah. I, I am curious is, can you think of anything specific like a, a maybe specific behavior or technique that y'all maybe picked up from recording with Ed that, that you've seen continued throughout the recording process of other albums? That's a good question. Um, I would say we understand what's important now. So Hmm. before we went to him, you know, it was more like, Hey, let's make sure we use the bet, the right mic or the best thing or the best piece of gear or, you know, make sure the position is, you know, perfect on the amp when you record your guitar. And I mean, when we recorded bass, uh, I think, you know, it was an isolation room I promise you, he just like kind of tossed the mic in the room (laughs) and it just landed there and then he closed the door. We were like, wait, should we move? He was like, it's fine. (laughs) Okay. So it was like, I mean, and it was true. Like, obviously some of that stuff matters a little bit and there are things that are better than others, but he was like, no, if you play good, it's going to be good. It's not, I love, you know, it's not about where the, what the mic is or what, so and that's a hundred percent stuck with us ever since. It's like yeah. if if you want the song to be good, if you want the the instrumentation to be good, you just play it well, and right. the tone and the energy will come through your your hands, your feet, your voice. Yes, yeah, because sure. you're there, you're present, you believe it. Exactly, you're yeah. locked in. That's such a great North Star to, to yeah, be given exactly early on as a band. Yeah, because we've never you know, been dependent on any gear or any type of thing. Right. I mean, all that stuff's fun. I mean, there's a lot of gearheads and it's really cool and fun to talk about. And certain mics have different sure. qualities or certain things, you know, they right. have d- good things about them, but ultimately it's, you know, Matt, who our guitar player, him and Josh are always our engineer producer kind of guys nowadays. And so that that's something that they've always uh, been really good at reminding us of. It's like me and Toby, sometimes we'll get a little stuck on like, Hey, should I like get a better mic or do something different mm-hmm. other than just singing in my studio room at home? They're like, no, it's fine. No, I mean, fine. there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, okay. I love so that. that's a good so lesson. Good. That we learned Cause otherwise, sure, yeah, yeah, you, I feel like you get, you can get in your head a little too much. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. you're, you're distancing yourself from the truth of the performance. Right. 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 That's and then, so you, I mean, you look at artists like Billie Eilish now or whatever, her and her brother, he'll be playing keyboards on the side of the bed and she's sitting on the yeah. bed holding a microphone right. saying uh-huh. that's yeah, yeah, yeah. on the album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. So, I mean, that stuff just doesn't matter at all, right. anymore, especially anymore. Yeah. It might, maybe it used to, you know, in some ways, but now obviously it doesn't matter at all. Great. Yeah, very cool. Great. So I want to uh, hand it over to our beautiful producer, Josh, for... What I often say is my favorite segment of the show, uh, when we have people on that recorded the album. So Josh is our research guy, Devin. Okay. Uh, and we always give, before we deep dive into the album, we give some context. We usually let Josh do the research and the notes on on that. And the reason I love it is because I think it makes him sweat a little bit when we have the actual people here. Yep. <laughs> so yep. if he gets anything wrong, please right feel free to jump out. down his throat and call him out. Here, if Ms. I Reds. remember, I'll, t- I'll correct you. <laughs> perfect. All right, Josh, what do we got? Well, perfect. I'm going to jump around a little bit because I feel like we've already hit a little bit of this stuff. I do want to mention for anyone that doesn't know the story, because I do mention that 
Y'all are from Rock Hill, South Carolina, but then moved to Seattle. And there's a great story about y'all famously leaving on September 11th to move across the country, which is right. crazy. So yeah, yeah, there's yeah. So there's if you if you're unfamiliar with that, go find a podcast yeah, episode about it. Yeah, there's some talking about that for sure. What a, yeah, <laughs> what a wild time to leave. Uh, but I do want to mention. Uh, I always mention the members, and most of y'all are still the same, still around. We got Toby, Devin on vocals and guitar, Matt on guitar, Josh head on keys uh joel chopper green is on bass on this record in the question and then as you mentioned seth studley this is his only record with y'all on drums yep we're covering this record for its 20th anniversary because it was mm-hmm. released on january 27th of 2004 <laughs> yeah uh, i love that we already talked about ed rose and recording before y'all got to tooth and nail sorry i got great. excited no Josh, that's great i love that we covered <laughs> it we covered it and we've already talked about ed a little bit on the show that's true i want to mention some of these these tra- most of these tracks were mixed by our uh, not friend, but our our uh, someone who we looked up look up to, Jerry McNeely. But I have to mention that it was mastered by our friend Troy Glessner and A and R is by yes. John Dunn, friend of the John show. Dunn. Yes, yep. So uh, that is really all of my research. But I do have something I want to share real quick, and I'll do it in the chat if I can do it right here. But I have a picture from the first time that I saw Emery in 2009 with me, my brother, and with Devin. So, nice. <laughs> oh, sweet. Can, oh, let me look at the file here. See if you can oh, see my that goodness. There. Oh, look at that. <laughs> it was shirtless. Oh. <laughs> it was, it was, this is like oh, it was Austin, awesome. Texas so in late July. It was so hot that night. And when, what year was this? This is 2000. This was the In Shallow Seas We Sail tour. Wow. This was actually the night that y'all recorded the video for The Butcher's Mouth, because y'all did that at Emo's. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. At, at Emo's, right? You said? Yep. Yeah. yep. That's crazy. Such That's a good picture. 15 years ago almost. I wow. Y'all are babies. That crazy. That's no, crazy. I remember we went, and we were like walking to the show, and y'all's bus is out front, and you were just sitting there like in a lawn chair on the sidewalk, yeah. and like we like walked by, and this is my first time seeing Emory, and I'm still like pretty new, and I was like... That's Devin right there. Like he's just sitting on the sidewalk. <laughs> like we like said That's hi funny. or something. But yeah, it was a great night. We got it. Right, yeah, I remember that night well. That's funny. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Yep. I'm so glad you so. shared that, Josh. Yep. We're, we're definitely we're gonna post this. that to our We gotta post media. that, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Devin, you're looking fit. You're looking real good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got some shit. Well, he there, probably man. like sweated off twenty five pounds. I know. On that <laughs> night. Right, like yeah. one night. <laughs> Especially in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw August Burns Red two nights before at the same place in Emos and JB's guitar literally stopped working because it was so hot. It's too like, hot. JB's guitar is not working guys. Cause it's so hot right now. That's, That's insane. insane. Yeah. That seems unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. So that's all I got. I just yeah. wanted to share that fun little, uh, that's cool. I love memory. that. I love that. Well, gentlemen, should we, should we pull Stephen Curtis Chapman and dive right into this record? Let's, Let's do dive it. In. All right, here we go. We are talking about the week's end, and of course we're going to start with track one, Walls. So we did, we recorded last week our Bop 10 episode where we all went through our top 10 Emory songs. Okay. 
And TJ, this was pretty high on your list, correct? It sure was. It was my number one. That's right. Nice. I just think it's one of those that, I don't know, man. Uh, I think for the rest of my life, anytime I hear it, it just takes me back to a specific place, a specific feeling. Y'all y'all kind of captured a, a moment in time for me. And yeah, I don't know. The, the song is just wholly set apart because of that. Cool. I remember watching the music video for the first time on some compilation DVD that I got at youth yep. group, as we like to mention <laughs> quite often. <laughs> and man, it's just, it's, to this day, it is an intense nostalgia trip, but it's also just a banger. I mean, even <laughs> if you've heard this for the first time in 2024, I feel like you would have to just really lean into it and I don't know. I I feel like I would fall in love with it if I heard it for the first time today. That's cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's our it just first song we ever put out and it's the by far the most popular song that we have. I mean, yeah. And you know, with good reason. I mean, it kind of captures it is interesting to think about because you know, when you look at your own music or you kind of kind of try to rise above and just kind of take an outside perspective it's a little weird because it's hard to kind of define you know certain songs or certain things but obviously walls has kind of transcended just an audio file you know at this point it's it's become obviously it's become a huge part of who we are and so uh and 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 it's a huge part of a lot of people who love our band and that's uh it's pretty special you know to us so well it it is so interesting too like it does, you know, it's such a good, in my notes I wrote, it's such a good, like, calling card song. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's such a good, like, introduction to Emery because it it does, even even though throughout your entire discography, you know, you guys have, have gone, you know, a little more synthy, a little heavier, you know, you've kind of branched out from this, but it's still kind of got a lot of those elements that you guys continually elements, go back yeah. to, uh, all kind right. of in one song. Uh, it's wild that this is like the first like single, like the first thing that y'all. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. a. Is it a blessing and a curse that you're like literally the first <laughs> thing we put out is the thing we're the most known for? <laughs> known but for is there a little bit that you're like, you're like we did it? But then at some point, are you like, well, what about some did of our we? other stuff, guys? Like, I make the joke all the time, you know, that our our first the first two songs on our first record are the our two most popular songs, right? Yeah, you know, that we've ever put out. And right. so um, I'm like, you know, that was like the pinnacle of Emory. You know, we, we <laughs> you know, it's only downhill from there, you know. So now it's, uh, you know, it's special. It's special that, yeah. you know, that the first thing somebody hears from you tends to be the most memorable thing, you know, because that means yeah. that it was something special that stuck with people. And they didn't have to really, they didn't have to dig deep to find something, you know, hopefully, hopefully most of our fans we captured their attention and then they over time continued to dig deep, deeper sure. and found, you know, something even, even more than that, you know? Yeah, and, for sure. Well, um, I think, I think Josh's top 10 Emery list can definitely attest to that. Yeah. yeah as yeah, well. Absolutely. Yeah. I can say this did not make the impact on Dude. me that most people had. Uh, mm-hmm. cause I also first saw this, my parents would buy us like those music video compilation DVDs and my brother and I would watch them 
And when this song first came on, I was not into like screaming or anything like that. And so like we right. watched like the first 10, 15 seconds and we we're like, oh, screaming, gross, <laughs> oh, and like skipped get it. Get this out of here. Skipped it. And then it I wasn't until a few DVDs later where we got one that had studying politics on it. And we're like, oh, this is great. I really like it. And they're like, oh, this is the same band that did that screaming one. Then you get past that screaming bit. Did you yeah, like finally I, listen to your no, like, oh, I wait, never even, the like song. the screaming's only like the first 20 seconds and I never even listened past to like, oh, y'all do clean vocals. So oh, that's so It funny. took hearing studying politics to then go back to Walls and be like, oh, okay. All right, this isn't so bad. I mean, yeah. I figured that's quite a few people, you know, and that's, it is what True. it is, you know, that's kind of how we chose to reveal ourselves, so. I love yeah. it. You know? But I, I, I do love that because I think it, it just proves your versatility as a band and also, like, that you can endear yourselves to a certain listener and then at the same time endear yourselves to another listener at, that right. that might not have listened to you if they had known, like, oh, this band screams or vice versa. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like that's such a uh as the kids say a flex. Um it's it's <laughs> it's like a a really you know, obviously a, as you shared in in the earlier portion of the episode, like it was just something that, that y'all came to honestly and naturally. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a, a move or a strategy, but I do think it's just really cool that that you embodied so much of the, the spectrum of what a band during this era could do like in in the early cool. 2000s like i i just feel like y'all were reaching it feels like you're hungry and you're mm-hmm. and you're like pushing the boundaries on on what a band can sound like at this time and and i do think this song especially is like a a great succinct summary of that um there's so many different like time signatures like time changes and and different time signatures and it, like there's there's spots where all the instruments are are locked in together and doing totally disparate chaotic things i just i i love the whole thing man i um i'll, I'll probably shut up now because i've i've said my monologue thank you for coming to my walls Ted. this Talk. is your favorite song right yeah, that's what i was ah, josh ah, beat okay. me to it i was All gonna right, ask cool. well i actually would say on this listen through it isn't Okay. Ooh, yeah. So Devin, one fresh. thing we do too when we when we go through albums is we whenever we reach our favorite song, each of us kind of talks about why it's our favorite. So feel free to jump in if you have a favorite. Okay. If not, I, I understand all perspectives um, yep. <laughs> on that. Yep. If you can't pick a favorite or don't want to, sure. Fully respect that. Um, but guys, let's go ahead and move on to track oh, wait, number can two. I ask one, oh, can I ask one last question? I guess. I want to slowing us down. I do <laughs> love just. Opening, starting your first record, the first thing you hear is, are you listening? Like, asking the people, are you listening? So good. That's genius. <laughs> but I'm just curious if, like, have y'all, one, all, like, closed every show ever with this song? And is there ever, like, where you're like, I would like to, like, do something else? Or is it, like, always fun to end it with the same song every night? Uh, it's, I mean, it's fun, and we've done it, uh, you know, it's probably been... 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean... Early on, when we first started playing shows, local kind of shows out in Seattle and Tacoma area, and then we did a few little like short, you know, DIY tours or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, that was before anybody knew Walls, and right. you know, it was like, oh yeah, they they knew every one of our songs the exact same, like none. So right. it was we had no reason to play it last, so we would just play it wherever it made sense. Sure. Hmm. Sometimes we would just you know because it ends on a big on the big heavy part, but the secret was a big one we played 
at the end in early shows because it had a real emotional, intense yes. ending too. Um, and so we were kind of able to, you know, shift the songs around. But once we released the weeks in, and Walls became the biggest song, then it was like, okay, well, we're no longer to no longer allowed to end the set okay. with any other Without, songs. Right. <laughs> it became a faux pas to not. Yeah, we tried. <laughs> we actually tried one time. We I don't remember when it was exactly, but we opened the set with Walls. Oh wow! And, oh. and played, and then when we got to the end, we played the last song, and and the crowd wouldn't stop yelling Walls again. <laughs> yeah, we played it again. <laughs> so we played it again. That's <laughs> hilarious. The show. But that's the only time we're like, okay, well, we're not gonna do that anymore. <laughs> that's really funny. You learned that. your lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's All right, so guys, funny. let's move on to track number two, the Ponytail Parades. This is my favorite song. Oh, all right. Boom. Yeah. A little less basic than me, Josh. But <laughs> basically the same. <laughs> For me, I, I guess I feel like Ponytail Parades is like maybe even a better representation of Emery, kind of, than even Walls. I mean, Walls yeah. obviously is a big, of course, a big one. But... This one, if you if we weren't going, if we were just going for straight like okay song style and vocals yeah, and all that stuff, true. Ponytails is, has you know two vocals like going back and forth like yeah. so much through the song and there's some heavy, there's some quiet, there's all these different elements and so probably in my mind Ponytails is, is even like if I if you had to define Emery you could say well listen mm-hmm. to this song and that's probably about right. as close as you can get complete encapsulation yeah. yeah. So, yeah, kind of like with TJ. So this song made it up higher on my on my Emery Top 10 list, but it is not my favorite song on this listen through. Oh. Uh, but man, I love the rhythm section of the band yes. in this song. They're so tight. Like yeah. so tight. Yeah. And a lot of it's so simple, but like chops on chops right. on chops. Right. It just feels really locked in. Those like triplet hits are great. And then right. it allows the guitars to just bring a lot of space to the higher end mm-hmm. uh, and do a lot of interesting things. Yeah, that thank you. I I will say that um, you know, we had talked earlier about like writing the songs and like when did that kind of happen and all that. And so, you know, once we got to Seattle, you know, it, it's kinda there's a lot that went into it, but we started out, you know, we were basically like, you know, we have to start practicing like right now. You know, we didn't have anywhere to practice or anything. We just had an apartment. But we got this storage facility that you weren't supposed to make any noise in or nice. you know, use electricity. But it was the only thing we could afford. And so we, yeah. we just started practicing in this storage room and really started like working on these songs and eventually we were able to get another spot and we rented a house out in the country and it was like a commune there was like three different buildings and all this it was a pretty wild well, setup yeah. but it was <laughs> and then we literally from the time we had the songs decided on like that we were like okay these are the songs we're going to put on this first album we spent 2 hours every single day for about 2 years like working on the songs. Wow. So, 
So ponytails is one that comes to mind that like basically what we would do is Matt, it would be like Matt and Seth and Joel, they would go into one room and they would work on like the things like you're talking about, like mm. the dun dun down, right. you uh-huh. know, just like yep. all these tight, like, I mean, Matt would, we would talk to Seth, like you need to play this exact role right here because right. it has a purpose, like do right. this. And me and Toby would be in the other room kind of working on vocals and how the two parts could go together. And so we were very, very meticulous about, especially on this first album, like how these songs are going to be played and how they're going to work. And we were, we spent a ton of time on that kind of detail. So it's nice to know that people notice Notice it. Yeah. Mm, For sure. So for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, It's what, what was fascinating to me is you know, there were a lot of, you know, what you would call screamo bands at that mm-hmm. time and and yep. bands that I was really into. But I think a lot about like like a lot of the bands that were on Victory Records. Yep. A lot of those first albums are so rough musically. Like uh like I think of like when Broken Is Easily Fixed by Silverstein came out the same year. And I, that's almost unlistenable to me now because like the guitars are out of tune. The vocals are like super pitchy. It's just like, they feel really flabby and they feel super rough. And you guys just kind of out of the gate had such this like focus on musicianship. Yeah. Like a level of composition and musicianship that was, it, it felt like head and shoulders above a lot of right. the, the peers maybe of, of that style or era. Yeah. And, and that's, I think a lot of those bands you. kind of like, like they got worked there. into it. Yeah. 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 But it definitely, yeah. I think says something about that, that, that good old South Carolina work ethic of like, <laughs> all right, we got to get our shit together before <laughs> we get into it. You know, like, <laughs> well, it is interesting too, because I mean, and, and I don't, you know, in, in, in no way that, you know, and I feel like, oh yeah, we're so much more talented than than somebody. But you know, we had just graduated from college, mm-hmm. and we three of us had been music majors for right. right. three or right. four so of us go, had yeah. been mu- music majors, and so we that is how we thought you it were was treating like, it like a class or like yeah, yeah. Your I career. mean, it was like, well, like, we know we understand music, we know theory we know you know we've been working on this stuff two of the guys were jazz guitar players Uh, i was a vocal performance major you know so (laughs) it was like not you know and we were still learning but we were already probably four years older four or five years older than some of these bands too yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because Mm -hmm. we got started late we you know we didn't get started in high school we got started in college and so uh so i would say that we were already a little bit more mature you know musically um and so that that was a reason that we took so much time and care for those things because we were like, oh, well, this actually does matter. Yeah, you know? totally. But Case yeah, in point, you, that's nice. the the bridge, like, it's so tasteful. I don't know. There's like a sweet drum fill, and then the. I mean, Kylan, are you gonna are you gonna say it? <laughs> oh yeah, some sweet sweet bass, baby. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> uh, there's some sweet sweet bass all over this record. But I got I, yeah, I to bring it up at least once. So you're talking about the bridge of ponytails? Yes. Oh, for thank sure. you. Oh, it's so what good. What bridge, TJ? <laughs> it's kind of, lin- it's a linear song, so I don't know yeah, what true. you could yeah. call the bridge. The, the round, I guess. You might call yeah, it the there round. You go. 
Oh, wait. Okay, so is that the the quiet, the really quiet part? I the, never thought that you could say Yeah, I never words. thought you could say these Okay, words. that's yeah. what you call the bridge. I yeah. guess. You call the bridge. Well, I yeah, don't we know. need to know what you call it. Cause well, I don't. that's a good question because I've actually never really thought about it in a long... I haven't thought about that in a long time because, you know, you guys know that we don't always have, you know, normal song form and structure. So it's right. like there could be multiple bridges or whatever. Totally. So I've always thought of the bridge as the how can you take all this oh yeah i would think of that as a bridge too right completely it's kind of like a bridge to leading to the end or whatever it is yes so but that's interesting so yeah because i was going to say the the part i'm talking about i love that pulled (laughs) we pulled one of the melodies of that from have you ever seen the movie Legends of the Fall? <laughs> yes. Brad Pitt, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Great and we movie. We used to love that Epic. movie. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, 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 you know, throw it out there. Like, you know, this is part of, part of being musical is you steal ideas. Good That's artist the steal. Way it goes. Sure. That's right. So, um, but in that song, uh, I mean, in that movie, Samuel, who's the youngest brother. Right. He sings a song, um, like it's. Anyway, we don't have to talk about the movie, but there's a part where he sings the song, and we, we it's uh, <laughs> you. If you go back and listen to the song, you'll recognize the melody, and it's oh, uh, cool. Uh, let me think. Uh, the song is, and can you hear me if I'm and na 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 at the edge of the wood. Oh my gosh! So that. Is that? Oh, that's so good, man! Wow. So, so you you know, it's just like let's ooh, let's use that somehow, right? So that that actually leads to a a genuine question that I have had um, since we covered the question last year. Yeah, because we went backwards, Devin, for some silly reason. Oh, that's right. <laughs> well, well, Josh has this. Josh has this like a beautiful mind, like insane spreadsheet of album anniversaries and everything. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's are the members of Emory fans of musicals or musical theater? Yeah, yeah. Me and Toby are. are fans. It makes so and much sense. Can, yes, because yeah. you guys are one of the most like. There's some theatrics uh, for sure. Musical theater. Yeah type bands that I like a lot of the the melodies and the song structure I feel like I get a lot of Completely. like Sondheim and stuff like yeah. like yeah. the lyrics like, these like too. catchy earworms and stuff so yeah, much cool. about it yeah and it's, it's yeah so I mean that's cool. definitely that's definitely impacted our 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 writing for sure it just you know it we like we just like that theatrical style it feels you know it just it feels appropriate in emo to me it mm, feels like yeah, yeah. you know that's you know it's not all about because there's kind of a you know there's two there's multiple sides to our genre you know there's kind of like the punk element like a little bit more of the silver stains a little bit more of the punk element right yes. you know what i mean it's a little faster yeah, a lot yeah. Of time. Yep. yeah you know it's a little bit more of that yeah and and i and then there you have the the more like like the Taken Back Sunday kind of vibe. That's a little bit more right. talky, yelly kind yeah, of, yeah. you know, and the kind of dueling vocals. Right, thing. right. And then we were like, but there's also this, like, you know, this beautiful melodic right. kind of. Well, like the way y'all flowing. choose to harmonize, like the the harmony right. choices, feel like yeah, yeah I well, love it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what we've always 
kind of wanted to represent is kind of that side of our genre is a little yeah. bit more of the the melodic uh, theatrical, the classical you know, and, and side. yes, right. the classical s- style. Yeah. And you know, a lot of that too, you know, like in, let's say in listening to Freddie Mercury mm, or something like right. that, where there's like this. Yeah. Almost like, if you, it's almost like change the arrangement, it could be in a score of a, of a musical show. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's, I mean that we've talked about that so many times, like, making a musical and that kind of stuff and it's it's one of those it's a little yes. daunting it's a little you know it's like a yeah, daunting yeah. kind of idea you're like so uh, I, I i just i feel personally validated because on our on our episode on the question i think i went off on a tangent for 10 minutes about how the question should be a rock opera oh yeah and how we, <laughs> we were all on that tangent with you i think yeah we, we, that, we, we supported that is there any yeah. way to produce this off broadway and make it a rock opera because it, it needs a show it. yeah i'm sure i'm sure we could it's just yeah i mean that is something we would love to do and as we get older you know we it's like you know you want to do some things you haven't done before and oh, right. try some new stuff and so we've definitely thrown out the idea a couple times oh, well Don't my fingers it. are crossed to that, that eventually it's gonna happen emory made we'll for the see. stage for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and move on to track number three, Disguising Mistakes with Goodbyes. But don't forget, guys, we're heavy still. Right. We're musical I theater. Love I love this riff. But we're heavy. Yeah, it's yep. so good. Ugh. Man, there's so many and I feel like in every song there's at least one point where you go from four forward to six eight to something yes. like that. Is yeah. that something y'all are just like oh like consciously aware of that's like every song's almost every song is gonna have some part that's in four four and then you're gonna shift to six eight or vice versa? Or is it yeah, just like happen I mean, organically? It's it, it's organic in some ways for sure. And it's also calculated at times, you know, but it just kind of depends on there's something about the crossover of time signatures that yeah, it just always lures me in. Like there's right. a there's a connection between four four and six eight. Right. You know, there's always a connection you can find. Yeah, you whether can that's polyrhythms a syncopation inside. or whatever it is, there's like a connection. And that that connection to those ry- rhythms and time signatures always they always stick with me. And so I'm for some reason all my songs kind of have a little bit of that, and I mean, to, so Toby is less calculated in in music mm-hmm. form. His mm-hmm. is way more natural, organic because he he doesn't understand theory the same way that me and Matt and uh, we do. Mm-hmm. So he's not thinking in in theory. Right, he's not right. thinking I'm playing in the key of he's just writing sharp minor. Just right. He's out. just like, oh, this sounds cool. This sounds cool. Right. You know, and then he'll play some crazy chord in the middle of the progression. We're like, that doesn't f- go there, but it sounds okay. <laughs> but okay. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then he'll do the same thing with time signatures. He's just like, he'll do crazy stuff with time signatures sometimes. I'm like, how are we going to get from <laughs> that to that? Right. Right. Like, case in point, f- this section yeah. we're listening to right now, the, is it like. 
Are we in five right is now? It, five, it's four? in five, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> it just comes out of seven. nowhere. Right. But it's so good. Yeah. Right. I love that. I, I think you have to have that 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 balance for like really interesting music. Like you gotta have the people that know the theory yes. and the people right. that just vibe. They're just because like heart. like yeah. I find myself as someone that like knows a lot of theory, I feel like I end up getting so stuck within those rules and i often think yeah. about like you know i i often think about like some of my favorite rappers are people that don't know anything about music theory and so mm-hmm. when they start like the way they start and end phrases are like i would never come up with that in in right. a thousand years of being locked in a room trying to write music, I would follow the rules to my detriment. But it's way more interesting. Yeah, yeah. right. It's, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, exactly right. And I've talked, we've talked about this so many times, but, you know, being a music major, it's like you learn all, like you said, I mean, there's so many rules to it. Like, you know, what key, what chords go in what keys and time signatures and notes and all these things. Right. And you learn all these rules for like the first three years of, of right. you know, music ma- college. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth year they say, oh, yeah, all those rules that you learn, they don't actually matter. Go, go break them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, it, but it gives you, you know, a container. Right. You know, the parameters to, are important. Yes, and that helps you understand why those rules can be broken. And so right. that's where, you know, I'm at musically is like i still have all the rules in my mind i have a checklist of like how that stuff works but ultimately i know there are no rules and so but it is easy to get stuck right with those rules sometimes you're like well shoot like i can't i can't get outside of what i know is supposed to happen here right so sometimes i have to like put the guitar down or go play the piano instead Mm -hmm. or Right. Just go drive and like just only think about the song, not right. play the song. So, right. um, you know, yeah. trying to find a new avenue to you know break a little bit of that you know yeah. uh, is helpful at times for sure. So, a tiny tangent question on that on that note from away from this song, but just in general, and maybe maybe the answer comes from this album still. But was there ever a, a moment where Toby's following his heart? He's like doing something sort of intuitive. Or, or what feels natural to him, and the rest of y'all were like, I don't know, man. This time, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if that's going to fly. Like, yeah, maybe I mean, we there's... can't go to 11 from 2-4 and, and change keys five times. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some disagreements about where we should go, but ultimately, you know... Toby is like the the heart of the band. You know, he's mm. the guy who... He he feels things, you know, stronger than most people. So, like, mm. you know, if he feels it, it that to strongly and it. that deeply, then it makes sense to follow. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. So if it's, but if it's something he's not, you know, really convicted about, you know, in a song or something like that, right? He's more flexible, and we're like, oh, this would be cooler if we did this, and yeah. So it's we're at this, especially now. Early on, you know, it was like learning how to kind of work through some of those things, but it's now like a it's marriage. just like, yes. yes. Learning how yeah, to communicate. Now, yeah. <laughs> now you just know how to do it, yeah. you know, so. Right. Cool. That's good to know. Yeah. It, yeah. it is, communication's tricky, man, no matter who, <laughs> yeah. who's do, trying to do it. <laughs> and I mean, music, you know, a big part of music and, and being in a band is ego, and it's just oh, like, sure. 
you know, nobody wants to, you know, hear their song is, you know, is sucky or, you know, you don't want to hear like <laughs> that somebody doesn't like that part or this sounds yeah. bad. So understanding that, you know, that you're holding on to something that collaboration only improves, mm, right. you know, that art. Like if you're just, if you're stuck by yourself defending your art to other people who are telling you, well, it could be better if you did this or, or you know, offering some constructive criticism, and you're not willing to take that in, then you're you're just going to get, you know, you're going to get pigeonholed into something that's like your own thing that nobody else really appreciates. So <laughs> yeah, that's sure. kind of part of collaboration, you know. Yeah, yeah, that is great. The best argument against auteurism that I've heard. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Guys, do we have anything else on disguising mistakes with goodbyes? Nope, it's a great Sweet song. <laughs> yeah. There we go. I had one specific thing. I love that at 58 seconds, uh, the snare hits, it turns into flames for a second. Had to get in. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was a cool drum part. That was like, yeah, it was really cool. Nice. Kept it really dynamic. Good job, Seth. Cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, there is one note about, um, yeah, I'll, I'll share. So the middle section that's, uh, wash those days, mm -hmm. that fast part mm -hmm. from your eyes. Yes. So we wrote that in the studio before. Oh, before we got there, we had this like like kind of chug chug thing. It was like it was like digga da digga da dead digga da digga da dead digga da dead digga. There's some kind of weird like that kind of thing, and it was like with kind of some triplet bass kick drum, and it just never felt exactly right. And Ed Rose was like, "You need to cut that part. That part is not good." Trim the fat. Okay, thanks, Ed. But in the studio, I had this idea of the dun 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 you know, whatever. Uh -huh. And then we were just trying to learn it there and record it. And, you know, all of a sudden, and Seth couldn't really get it for whatever reason. He just couldn't get the drum part. And so I sat down and played the drum. Oh, no way. On that part. Only. Oh, nice. Just like that. <laughs> very oh, that's right, Secret though. Devin that's drums. So cool. Secret Devin drums. I so love that. that. That little section is me there. Ooh, that's some fun <laughs> trivia. Yeah. That right is. On, man. It does feel kind of different, actually. Now that you point that out, like, yeah. The feel of your playing, it's like it's like party drums, you know? Like they feel party drums, yeah. Very like <laughs> lively and like fun. I don't know. I or maybe it's yeah. that boys to men influence. Maybe so. But but really fast. Yeah. <laughs> boys to men, the yeah. Alan and the Chipmunks version. <laughs> yes. Um. Just double the BPM. Right. All right, guys. Let's move on to track number four by all accounts. Parentheses. Today was a disaster. I, get, I love this whole intro, the roads, and then the guitar's doing the, the harmonics, guitar, but yeah. the kick and bass nice. pattern is just gold. I yes. love that. Mm. Oh, it feels yeah. like very like American football to me. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, we used to listen to a lot mm. of, uh, like I said, Deep Elm bands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Benton Falls and uh, uh, yeah. Cross My Heart and those mm -hmm. bands, and they, had, they all had the just like the tight little drum beats and like stuff with really pretty clean guitar. So I yep. just always really love that style. I like it. 
I am curious, like, so I, I only, and this feels so embarrassing to me, I only found out recently that a lot of those bands, like the American Footballs and, and Benton Falls and stuff, did a lot of those things in alternate tunings. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so I'm curious, did y'all ever, like, mess around with alternate tunings in, in terms of that? Or did y'all just figure out how to do it uh, in standard tuning, which is what I spent so many years of my life trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we never did alternate tunings. Cool. Uh, that's so Not rad. that we were that's... opposed to it, really. No, that's it was just, just like, like better. <laughs> for <Yeah>. me <laughs> yeah we just we just tried to figure out a way to do it That's standard cool. and maybe with a couple guitarists you know doing it together or something right. so i like that it's kind of this in a lot of ways it's like a somber kind of ballad but it also yeah. because it has those brighter instruments like the roads and the guitar is really bright like it also feels more a little more pop maybe like just mm-hmm. as far as the arrangement which is a nice dichotomy and separates it out a little bit from on the track list, like it's sequenced well. It, it sticks mm-hmm, out. Okay. I do want to talk yeah, about yeah. sequencing. Yeah. Yeah. I I like where it lands. I think it's like a nice detour from yeah. what what else was going on in the album so far. Um, for me, this is the part where like when I was listening to it, you know, when I first heard this album, it drew me in. And still now when I listen to it, like this isn't earlier I said walls on this listen through isn't currently like my favorite quote unquote mm-hmm. favorite song. This isn't my favorite, but it's it's probably even higher up than Walls right now, just because it's like it's really hitting me. It feels cool. really like the the lyrics are very simple and more maybe direct, but yeah. they feel very serious and like grounded, which I yeah I really like a lot. Cool. Um, I would love yeah. to know what it's about if <laughs> if there's anything that can be shared in that regard yeah you know there's nothing like i mean i'm trying to remember specifically there was no specific like personal like story that i was referring to in this song it was it was more about kind of feeling a little worthless in Mm. you know in like in your faith kind Mm. of feeling um and it's part of our upbringing too where it's like you feel a little uh like you're not good enough, you know, you kind of, it's, it's yeah. a little, you know, it's a little... Shame-based. Yes, yeah. So it has a little bit of that element to it of like, you know, it says these broken animals as useless as they are. Right. And yeah. this whole thing of like, we, no matter how hard we want to get it right or how hard we want to be who you want us to be, we just can't be. Mm. I love that line. That line's so good. Thanks. And so... It just feel that was the kind of the feeling, and you know, I didn't really necessarily struggle with shame or anything like that. But from my upbringing, and and you know, in a very, you know, conservative uh, mm-hmm. Christian background, it was like, oh yeah, you that know, comes that up a lot on of, this show. <laughs> yeah, that was just kind of the base I was working from, you know, totally. <laughs> so yeah, that was yeah. kind of how that was, but. Yeah, that song, you know, it was just like a. I don't even really remember how that song started being formed but i remember i'm like i said before i was just really driven by rhythmics and and you know ideas that can kind of work together um Mm -hmm. and so there was a i'm trying to think of what song it was there was a so the end of the song i don't know if do you guys understand what's happening at the end of the song not exactly oh oh rhythmically I, I i didn't count it out like this part right here? Yeah. 
did not. I didn't skip. even catch that. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. So the guitar plays the same thing the whole time. Right. Right. So it never changes. Yep. The drum. Yep. The only thing that changes is the drum. So the when it first comes in, it's like you know the beat is like. Yep. And then it goes to the one. And then it comes back to the. So there's a, so Crazy. we intentionally it was like okay let's do something cool here right so yeah. it was like it it turned the beat over right, right. so right. from the upbeat it went from the yes it went from the one being the three and the three being right. the one you know it, right. it kind of flipped and so I was just curious That's so, so but cool. that whole that song and especially the ending there I was like let's you know really and I was a big fan of uh, two thirty eight. Yeah. Back then, and those tooth and nail bands, they just—they were, I mean, they were so unique, and they used to do stuff like that, and it was just like, whoa! I mean, it was just like so interesting to me, and so I wanted at the end of that song, I was like, we got to do something really cool rhythmically here, and like flip it on its head a little bit. Yeah. So I, I was just that. curious if you guys. Even well, I I knew honestly what was yeah no I was so distracted by. The vocal performance on the use. Oh, yeah. Oh, by you. I mean, oh, yeah. that's just <laughs> it's massive. out of this world. It's explosion, <laughs> man. And, but, I, but what I love is like you um, pointing that out and, and uh, drawing that to our attention to me just further underlines what's happening in the song because that's sort of like the turn, right? Like that, that right. outro where the the narrator is kind of like trying to release themselves from that or like yes make it yeah. and and kind of get past whatever the pressure is or the oppression is that's happening mm-hmm. and the complexity in the music kind of just really gives gravity to the narrative and and br- right. and cool. literally brings it home it it, yeah. it, it like well what i love too is like cool. like the way that this song ends is the way that I would say like so many other bands would be like, oh yeah, this is the album ender right here. Yes. <laughs> and oh, then yeah. you guys are like, it's track, it's track four. four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, trust me. Trust That's me. We so got we got a lot more. more. Oh, it's God. wild. So yeah. I, I do want to talk about <laughs> sequencing a little bit because I think yeah. this album, you know, we, we talk a lot on this show about really good sequencing and really bad sequencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the three of us, come at it from i i think we all end up in the same place but we come at it from from slightly different perspectives and i I would love to know how much thought kind of went into the sequencing of this album a lot good i mean i don't that's the answer i like to hear yeah a lot (laughs) i mean i don't remember the exact progression of how we got you know to where we got exactly i don't remember all the conversations about every single song and why it belonged there. Right. Primary. So, you know, when we first recorded the whole album, our idea is we wrote the note from which a chord is built last. Oh, so and it was written as an intro to the album. Hmm. Oh, oh wow! So that was supposed. The intro to the album was supposed to be. Which would be a cool opening too. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So that was kind of the thing. Is like, oh, it'd be cool if you know this drum. The album started with drums and all that stuff. That was our intention. So track one would have been the note from which a chord is built. 
I think two was probably going to be walls or whatever. I don't remember exactly. I don't remember the original sequencing exactly, but I do remember that note from which quarters built was supposed to be first. And we had already we had already decided the secret was going to be last. Mm. And then I think everything we just like you know you know Mm. because it's crazy now and like trying to explain this to my kids or this generation is like how much track order mattered for albums Mm -hmm. yeah because that just doesn't exist anymore it's like right because everything it doesn't matter at all or just which is dumb like double albums for no reason like yeah and you know that's that's fine i mean music evolves but it's like yeah there was a period of time there it is that it's for I sure. mean, you had to have a strong track three. You know yep, what I mean? Yep, like it was. Yep. yep. Track three was, was radio you know, single. You kinda, track six yes. was ballad or the slower yes. song. Like, yep. yeah. And you oh, knew yeah. exactly like the the wave that your album was supposed to take. You know, you're just trying to emulate that. And so, yeah, we put tons and tons of thought into it. But it's it's very funny because you know we did want know from which chord is built first, and I don't know how that would have changed anything. I don't. I don't. I mean, I know. Are you listening? Is the best possible opener, and the reason we put it first is because Tooth and Nail. After we recorded the album, we we started pitching it to labels and things right. like that, and we knew John Dunn. Uh, he was a buddy of ours through Josh in Seattle and all this stuff. And we were like, he worked in the mailroom at the time. Yeah, yeah. we're like, dude, just <laughs> take it in and let somebody hear it, see what happens. You know, <laughs> he's like, okay. So, and but after we got into the whole deal with Tooth and Nail, getting all that stuff figured out, they were like, Walls has to be the the opener. (laughs) That's what I was curious about, too. Yeah, I was. Yeah, so, and they were right. I mean, they were right. I (laughs) mean, we were still a little bit stuck in the the artist part of ourselves. It's like, we want to defend our artistry and like our plan, which, you know, is fair, but we were also just like inexperienced, too, in that world. And so... That was a pretty much a non-negotiable. It was yeah. like, look, we'll put the album out. <laughs> yeah, we'll put it out, but, but walls is first. And we're like, yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> but you know, we talk about alternate track lists on this show a lot, and I would love to know what Devin's alternate track list would be. Is it, mm. you know, w- would you would you mess with it at all, or would you just leave it? Would you would you make the note from which oh, track gosh. one? That's tough. <laughs> what would you do? I don't know. I, yeah, you don't I, have to answer now. Yeah, yeah. We'll you bother can think you about later. it. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can email us later. Okay, I will. Uh, <laughs> I will. Sweet. All right, guys, let's move on to track number five, Fractions. Speaking of intros, this was such a good transition, though, from the end of By All Accounts. It is. Fractions. I've always felt like it's part A and part B, like they're two sides of the same coin, Mm -hmm. or like two parts of of one conversation, just tonally. Are they, because I I think they end and start in the same key, at least. Yeah, yeah. They're both B minor. There you go. Well, we tuned down. The saddest of all keys. But... Be I was the saddest of all keys. I was thinking D's, relative major. You're right. Yep. Dang it. This is a, a close second for my favorite on this record. I was nice. really between this and Ponytail, but yeah, Fractions is a. There's a, so many parts of this song 
too. And it's, um, I think, I think Toby wrote this one. It was going through a situation with a girl when we moved to Seattle and, uh, this one came out pretty quick after <laughs> that. And so it was, we were just like, oh yeah, this is, this is a, this is a nice song. Oh yeah. And then we kind of helped shape it, you know? So right. it's, uh, and the whole, again, we were like, the whole first half of the song is in 4-4, four, four, the whole second half of the song is in 6-8. Yeah. It's just doing the same parts in a different time signature. We were like, well, why not, right? Yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, this is, I think, the most traditional song structure we've seen so far on the record. Like, I feel like it has yeah. more discernible Ooh, yeah. choruses mm-hmm. and verses than everything else has kind of been linear. Yeah. Right. Super fun. It's also the third most streamed song on the record, so mm-hmm. I'm not alone Ooh. in it being a top favorite. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I do love the dynamism in the song, like you said. Like, there's just a lot of rise and fall to it, right? And even that those breaks that yeah. those feel very like musical theater. Like, I could see yeah. choreography lining up with them, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, which is Someone's very cool. punching the air to it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then it drops down to yeah, the like. Yeah. And quiet piano. I won't answer. I won't answer. <laughs> Devin, when y'all have the Drama. parts where you and Toby are like singing different lines at the same time, yeah. how do you, because like I imagine if like Toby writes a song, is it like, is he writing the alternate parts as well? Or are you being like, okay, well, I'll, this is what you're saying. I'll come up with this part and sing it over. Like, how do y'all do yeah. that? Yeah. The dueling like vocals it's, part. Uh, it's happened both ways. Um, for this one specifically, I'm pretty sure Toby had both parts and he was like, he kind of had these two counter melodies in his head. And so he, we kind of shaped those together. Um, so sometimes, sometimes the, the person who the, the writer of the song will have that, have the two parts kind of in their head. And there has been times where I'm like, Hey, you know, I want a secondary thing here see what you can come up with or yeah, what do you mean? hear? Yeah. Right. And, uh, we've d- definitely done that several times too. Nice. Nice. Listeners of the show will know double vocals are always my favorite part of the song. So it's always oh, a big wow. highlight for me when two people are singing completely different things at the same time. <laughs> yeah. That is interesting. I mean, I know other bands do that, but that's definitely an Emory thing that people always say like, Perfect. man, I love when you guys do that. I'm mm-hmm. like, but I never, we never really thought about it as kind of a calling card for us until it just was. You know, it wasn't oh, like yeah. we intentionally were doing all these things. It was like, oh yeah, we just think this would be cool. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. for it's two different things. It's the kind of music things. you would want to yeah. hear. So yeah, and the masses will hear it whenever the Emory musical comes out. Yes. And then all the musical theater nerds like myself will be validated. Like, yes, this is why we like West yes. Side Story, guys. Yes. <laughs> but I always find it interesting, you know, at shows and stuff, is like which part people are singing. Or yes. 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 Oh, it says yeah. so much about a person. I'll see people like somebody singing Toby's part, and there's another guy singing my part. And I'm like, oh, I just, oh, I mean, it's, I, so it's cool. interesting to me how people, right. what sticks how they out hear to it. people. Yeah, how yes. it hits yeah. Well, it's almost like, yeah, I I feel like guys of like dudes of a certain age, it's like our version of like the Cosmo quizzes or like which (laughs) Sex in the City character are you? It's more (laughs) like, are you a Devin or a Toby? Devin or Toby's (laughs) party? There's been so many people. This makes no sense to me. 
there's been so many people say to us over the years after hearing our first album, maybe the first two albums, mm-hmm. whatever, right. that were like, we didn't know you guys had two singers. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> That's wild. How could you not? How could you not know we had two singers? <laughs> like, did you think one of y'all was just like pulling at your throat to like <laughs> change the sound of your voice? I mean, I, maybe there's moments that we sound alike or whatever, and maybe you thought that the one singer would go back and do the other part, sure, or right. something like that. But I mean, we kind of sound different, a little different too. Yeah, yeah. And it's it was just that's always been so puzzling to me. I'm like. <laughs> I mean, is there something actually wrong with you? You know, <laughs> are you able to were distinguish you listening to the song? Yeah, yeah. We asked if you were listening, guys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess in a way, it's like a compliment. It's like Frank Oz yeah. did a lot of different Muppet voices, right? Oh, that's so, good. That's yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> there you Wait, go, you were Yoda and Miss Piggy? And what? <laughs> that's crazy. That's funny. All right. All right, I'm ready, guys. Are you all ready? Okay. I'm ready as all Emery. Oh! <laughs> That's how the ad starts. That was so bad good. It's so, it's so it was. I like Just, it. Which perfectly transitions me <laughs> to talk about. Guys, our sponsor today is the one, the only, Collide Records. You've heard us talk about them on the show all the Hashtag time. Hashtag use your fingers. Hashtag use your fingers, Collide Records. We're making it a thing. But we're talking about Emery, and you know what? They've got quite the selection of Emery items in what their shop. What do they shop. have, Josh? Uh, I, well, they've got a lot of great stuff, and I'm kind of mad Uh-oh. because about two years ago, right before I discovered Clyde Records, actually, uh, I went in and bought all the CDs that I was missing in their catalog that I didn't mm-hmm. have, and I'm kind of mad because they have them all here, and they're on sale, Ooh. and they even have an Eve CD that's Autographed. What? No, I know. I want this autographed CD. Yeah, it's sweet. The piece de resistance, though, if you scroll down a little bit, they have an I'm Only a Man special edition CD-DVD combo. Oh, nice. For a very affordable price. And I don't know where else you're finding this CD still new in 2024, but this CD, we've talked about, we love I'm Only a Man collectively. Mm. This song, this CD has bonus tracks on it and I'll say the DVD is super great. It has some memorable moments that may or may not include something that I went up to Dave Powell, the drummer, the first time I saw them and asked him to sign his stick as a reference to something on this DVD that they did a little skit. Mm. So there's tons of great stuff. It's it's a whole making of documentary of I miss when bands did CD, DVD combos. telling me. I love them. And there's also an a live acoustic performance of them performing acoustic songs from, at the time, just their first three records, which is a great selection. That is something I definitely want to call attention to. If you need that in your your CD catalog, that's really uh, cool. And hop on over to Collide Records. And guess what? It. What? If you type in a promo code, you can get it for even cheaper than they have on the website. What? Whoa. That's crazy. What's that yeah. promo code? Ch-ch-ch-church jams now. <laughs> Spell that for Excuse me, caution me. listeners. Do not input C H C H C H C H C H C H C H U R H. Nor C H dash C H dash C H. All one word. Church teams now for twenty percent off your first purchase. Yeah. Use those fingers. You could get quite the haul for twenty percent off all these MRE CDs. I wish I would have found this a couple years ago. For sure. 
All right, let's get back to the show. I'm ready to get back to the show, as I'll Emery. <laughs> Guys, I don't know if you heard about this new thing Spotify's doing this year, where... Where they're they being really cool and paying their it. artists super well? Oh. No, actually, it's pretty cool. Like, it's like, they're only bothering... If your song doesn't make a thousand streams, they're not even going to pay you. So that way it goes to, like, the bigger like the major oh, labels yeah. and the super yeah. big artists and, and you know what I that's, think that's so good like, oh really i yeah. love all spotify's business models yeah. and i'm like major labels are the way to for go. sure investing like, in yeah joe rogan and taylor swift is the it's the best yeah man it's the future I mean, just get the rest of that little stuff out of there all right like <laughs> no Whoa. get out of here with that nonsense josh go home that was a we- joke right josh <laughs> no <laughs> I love big labels. I know this is corporate. So many slaps. Get to tease. Ouch. Get out of here with that. No. Guys, we are only here to support independent record labels because they are the best. They pay their artists. They support their artists. And you know who does that incredibly well that we love? Who's that? Not Spotify. No. It also starts with an S, though. Smotify. So close. Small Step Records, oh, okay. baby. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Small Step Records. Uh, yeah, dude. Small Step Records are good friends and partners that we have just fallen head over heels for, man. I love everything they do. For those of you that don't know, Small Step Records, they're actually like a 501c3, like a legit nonprofit. Incredible. And they're an independent faith-based record label, specifically supporting artists, you know, in like punk, emo, ska, kind of. Basically, if you're a fan of this show, it's like your kind of music, right? Whoa, nonprofit? So they're not just like out there to make money? No, they're there to support great art. Get with it, Josh. Interesting business model. Okay. All right, you coming around? Good, buddy. Good. Uh, well, listen, <laughs> oh, as soon as Kylan slaps it out of you, all that nonsense, you can uh, use your fingers to go over to smallsteprecords.com because, check it out, Josh, you can use that money instead of throwing it down the tube at uh, the, the streaming giants. You can use it to buy some sweet band apparel, some CDs. They got some compilation albums, and we have a excellent deal for uh, jammers. If they jump on and use the promo code while they're on the web store, Church Jams Now, they'll get 20% off everything in the web store forever, you guys. Forever. Which forever. is crazy. 20% off, always. I'm generous. Always. Hmm. Just tell them we sent that, you. You know what? I, I'm I'm still new to this whole thing, but I might... <laughs> Sorry, force a habit. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let the man learn. I might go out on a ledge a little bit, and I might find something maybe just one thing a small step store just to try out this new independent yeah. you might take a small thing. step yeah. towards small step i might Ooh, just do okay. that tj one small one step for small josh step. Olsen. for small step records <laughs> <laughs> that's as good a place as anything <laughs> all right guys let's move on to track number six the note from which a chord is built things about this this is one of the lowest streamed song at least on spotify 
Uh, one of the lowest streamed songs on the record. It's the second <laughs> lowest streamed, and it's my favorite song on the record. Hey, <laughs> nice, man. I love that. Because, okay, once again, going back to sequencing, this is like yeah. at the perfect point in the record. Like, like you have that drum intro, which, like, so this all does make sense as, like, a first track. Mm-hmm. Because totally. I'm, I'm all about on the show, too. I talk about a lot the importance of the opening track. It gives you the vibe. Right. And so many times with, with so many bands and artists that we've covered, like, track six on a, you know, 10 to 15 track album, track six is often... I feel like a forgotten track. Yeah. And this one, like, it really kind of changed the vibe of the record for me. Like, it, it mm-hmm. you know, like, we, we've been doing a lot of minor, especially, like, leading right into it. And then this one feels like real major key, like, pretty yeah. poppy. Yeah. And, yeah, it's just so good. It's, yeah. it's so good. I think after you listen to it, knowing, you know, that it was kind of written with an intention and a purpose of, like, being mm-hmm. a, a starter... It's, yeah. It has that upbeat right. feel, and it's supposed to kind of get you kind of pumped a little bit for right. the album and right. in the right mindset. I think it has a, a simplicity to it that some mm-hmm. of the other songs don't have. For sure, yeah, you know, it's that's a real kinda, like pop sensibility. Right. It's like, supposed, yeah, that's it's just, short, it, snappy, right? It like, yeah, you know, the guitar melody is just like it's like, oh yeah, you know, we're just having fun here. You know, we're just kind of yeah, real breezy. Yes, yeah. So, and I mean, I'm glad it if feels right in the middle of the album because you know like I said there's sometimes you have an intention for it and it's like okay well where can this fit well yeah and yeah. i think it does work as track six because it it like injects some some needed kind of brightness and, and yeah. new energy yeah, at the point that halfway point in the album mm-hmm. right yeah it's almost like if it wasn't going to be the first track maybe the sixth is the objectively <laughs> yeah. right. correct spot for it I yep. do like now that it is six though we get back to back songs with coffee mentions. So I was gonna say that too. Josh. <laughs> my yes, my head canon is that it's two it's it's two points in one story. So the fractions it's like a couple in fractions, uh-huh. and and things went even worse. Like, but now there's like some sort of kind of like I said like an injection of hope and and brightness happening sort of. Um, like yeah. with that line, you save me from death and voices sing together the same song. Like it's like this sort of optimistic or positive twist um, from right. from a relationship that was having some tension or, or a, a struggle happening. But but yeah, no, I, I, lo- I love the, the back-to-back coffee references, Josh. Thank you for nice. no, yeah, pointing that for out. For sure. This song has a fun memory for me. I remember going in high school to pick up my brother he was for his birthday he went and stayed and went so camping with a josh friend. car story i know it is a josh car story okay so i'm driving out to bertram texas um in the country but no and i, I just remember like this was the time where i guess where this song like like really clicked with me for the first time and mm-hmm. what's crazy is so that was in january of 2009 because i remember it was his birthday his birthday is january 27th which is also when this record came out and mm-hmm. so I was like thinking back and I was like, oh, that was probably right around like the five year anniversary of this record, which I realized was 15 years ago from when we're talking, which is crazy <laughs> to think about. But yeah, it's, a, it's a fun memory. Every time this song on, comes on, I can just like picture myself like in the car driving out in the country. And I was like, oh, sweet. Nice. That's all. It. That's all. Just a personal anecdote. <laughs> Thank you, there. Josh. Thank yeah. you for the, for the car story. Yeah. Um, okay. I do have a totally 
tangential question. In 2003, what kind of coffee were y'all drinking? Great question. <laughs> I need to you would appreciate it. <laughs> I wasn't drinking any coffee. No coffee? Probably. I, don't, I don't think I started drinking coffee until I was probably... <sighs> 28 years old or something. Wow. Whoa. You were living crazy? in Seattle in the early 2000s and you were just <laughs> yeah, like, no, thank you, coffee. please. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. I think we started, we started going to Starbucks, you know, when we first moved out right. there. And we, I mean, I think maybe Toby and Matt kind of, Josh, when we met Josh, he was already drinking coffee. He had been born in it. But um, <laughs> we just kind of like, we got warmed up to it. You know, finally, you know, we got wow. to where we drank it all Fun. the time. But, uh, you know, it was more just uh, good, good uh, lyrical content, you know. For, for sure. So. For sure. It's true. Yeah. The scene. You're not wrong. I mean, I believed it. Yeah. Like, so what? Y'all what, could have been what, lying what, the whole time. Were you drinking at that time for a pick me up? I imagine you couldn't find good sweet tea in in Seattle because no. as a Texas boy who lived in the Pacific Northwest, I could not find any. Yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> and that was before like McDonald's, you know, started selling sweet tea right. all over the country or whatever. So uh, I remember when that happened, we were pretty happy about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we, I mean, it was whatever. I mean, we we bear we didn't drink hardly any alcohol at the time. Like we mm. didn't drink at all. We drank, you know, just soda and whatever, but, um, yeah. And then over time we obviously got on to coffee and started kind of, you know, getting sure. a little bit more into that, the man world, I guess you could say. You know? <laughs> yeah, for man sure. Man world. I know that, that is literally for my own personal edification. I'm just <laughs> thinking about beverages today. So yeah, <laughs> it's a good question, Kylan. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys, are we ready to move on to track number seven? Let's do it. Let's do it. Track seven, Bloodless. More sweet, sweet bass. This is the least stream song on the record. Hmm. Which is surprising. I mean, something has to be, but right, know, yeah, it's yeah. surprising, yeah. <laughs> and, and if it's going to be on a 10-track album, track seven, that makes sense. Yep. Like, yeah. you know, people yeah. kind of lose steam. But I think this is an odd, it's so good. It keeps the energy up for me. Like, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've always thought this was a fun song. You know, it was, it was one of our more popular ones early on when we were not known and right. so this was what always a good one to play live you know is right. high energy well and, this one oh, and, yeah. it, and it just starts right yeah. like yeah. like there's yeah. no sort no of like intro around. leading into it right. it just starts right off the bat yeah and this is one that has one of the more like definable and catchier like choruses like right. yep. on an album with a lot of linear songs this has definitely more traditional yep. pop structure to it that's true and i will say mass guitar work is particularly great on this one uh, there's like yeah. during the verse he has like at 226 there's like a super quick like pull off part and then he has like the bends at the end of the song and like four minutes mm-hmm. are like super fun so Matt yeah, was showing he, up on that he wrote some cool parts for this I I remember him working on these for quite a while so at the time were you primarily playing a lot of guitar too like were you a secondary guitarist yeah, yeah so um, the band started with me being the drummer. And that was for a short stint. Right. Those four of us, and you know, it was me, Joel, Matt, and Toby, and I played drums. 
and I would come out front and play guitar on my songs and sing, and Matt would play drums. Oh, <laughs> and nice. that didn't last for too long. And then Seth came out to Seattle, and um, I just went up to play guitar. And so I would play, and I, and I was a decent guitarist or whatever, but I would, Matt, me and Matt would kind of work out the two parts, and I would kind of get the more rhythmic kind of part, you know, and then he mm. would do the more lead stuff. So, yeah, I did that until Joel was no longer in the band, until like 06. And then I, we switched over to bass from there. Gotcha. And I just realized I made a mistake. So the song, the part I was talking about earlier, I totally spaced on. <laughs> it's in Bloodless, not the Oh, where you play drums? Uh, okay. Yeah, it's the, oh. it's the middle part of this one. It's the, wash those days. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that part. Sorry, I don't know what I was thinking before. But yeah, it, <laughs> so it was in this song. This is the part that we changed. You can be forgiven. It's not, Thank you know, you. this this came out 20 years ago. So <laughs> Hey, we're, I promise if you guys had Toby, <laughs> if you guys had Toby on here, he wouldn't remember the names of the songs. Yeah. So you're lucky you got me for this. That sounds like a fun podcast actually. <laughs> it probably we should have is, him on yeah. next. <laughs> Toby asked to come on and we're like, "No, nah, you got to know the names, no, man." No, sorry, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> see, that, sometimes we'll play a game. Sometimes we'll play a game be like, "All right, Toby, Name the tracks on this album, <laughs> and he'll be like, "No chance." Oh, is I it, love is that. it because he still refers to them as like working titles, or does he just not even think of them as a title? Josh, you've been doing yeah. this podcast with me for three years. You shouldn't question why, why, or how <laughs> someone forgets things that happen. Yeah, the it's, number of times yeah, it, we've all spaced on oh, our man. own content. It's true. Yeah, but I'm also curious. Yeah, for yeah. working titles, do you still have songs that you all call we, yeah. by the working titles? Yeah, there's there's definitely ones that the working titles like kind of stuck with the song, and so we just left it. Some that was hard to like get beyond the working title. Uh, I'm trying to think if there was any on this album. Oh man, that 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 happened to, but I can't can't remember. But we definitely had that over the years to where people hung on to the working title longer than they did the actual title. Once mm. you know, for a musician. You know, when you're writing a song, uh, uh, it's a different world. Like, you know, with sometimes now, like with songwriters, like our buddy uh, Aaron Gillespie, you know, from Under Oath, mm. and he writes with country country singers and things like that now. And a lot of times, you know, he he was saying they go into a room and they'll just have a title. It'll just be like, right. hey, let's the song this is called is the song. Yeah. Cowboy or whatever it's right. called, and they'll kind of write around a title. Around that title. Kinda yeah, like, yeah. That gives them vibes, right. and so that's a a way of doing it. And then for us, it was always like, I have this really cool song and this really cool part. It was really cool riff. Mm. And that was the defining characteristic. And then you would just say, okay, well let's call it, you know, ratchet (laughs) for whatever reason, (laughs) you know, you, something that cued you to what that song was at the time. And so you just kind of hung on to that, that, center point of the song you know longer you know than anything else so and if you and toby were to get in a room with aaron gillespie you would write the song ratchet cowboy ratchet Ratchet cowboy Cowboy. so that's the next hit right there i think so i would listen to the next jelly roll (laughs) (laughs) be a banger well i like that i i like him i like imagining that you guys wrote walls and then just kind of like looked around 
We're like, yeah. like hmm. <laughs> you know what, what we call right. it? Wal- walls. <laughs> <laughs> Works. Why not? No, yeah, so it's uh, that, and sometimes too, it's like you, you're trying to think of the title for a song. And everything just sounds stupid. Right. Like, mm. It just all sounds so it's like, stupid. This sounds like, like so yeah. pretentious. I'm fine. Yeah, like, trying like, to do something flowery. And then you just pick out a word of the song. You're like, okay, yeah. let's just call uh, it that. Bloodless. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So good. Yeah. I would love to know about the some of those first lines because they really stick out to me. The um, it, it feels like almost like Old Testament imagery, but I don't know if I'm reaching or projecting. Mm-hmm. And as a little boy, they tried to hide his eyes with reeds and rituals, the paper and the knife. Yeah. What? Yeah, What's going on there? Yeah, that. I mean, Toby wrote wrote the lyrics for this one, and okay. um, he, he's been he's always been super. I'm trying to think of the dis- descriptive word I'm looking for for his lyrics. They're very visual and they're very mm-hmm. um, yeah. They're they're poetic in a in a yeah, like sense, a and he's a real. Yeah, he has a really good way of writing and arranging words, and I've always been envious, and he knows that. I'm like, man, you're such a great <laughs> lyricist, you know, because I, I have a harder time with it. You know, I'm like, mm. you know, for me, I have to go to a really specific place. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, I, I got to go, I got to really imagine what's happening here and what I'm trying to say, and sometimes, you know, it comes easier than others, and sometimes it takes forever for me it's to like finish something. like hard one. Yeah. Right. Yes, but Toby is real. He's real fast, and it, it just it feel. It always feels to me like everything comes a little easier to him lyrically, mm-hmm. and he might not think that, but from my perspective, it always kind of felt that way. And so, but he would probably say the same for me about music. And so we've kind of right. had a, a you know yin yang kind of yes thing. yes. So, uh, but anyway, yeah, that's kind of how, and, and he's really great with that. And so, yeah, he's. He's always been really good about taking imagery from the Bible or from, from whatever it is uh, that he's pulling from literature, and really making that um, really feel. You really feel the yeah. the lyrics that he's saying in a yeah, certain way. Yeah, it sets a tone. It, it paints a picture yeah. for sure. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Which is cool. And that do the outro on this song goes hard. So the same. <laughs> those so Matthew and those bends this is it's the just, last time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I remember when we were doing this song, I was like, I feel like we've been playing the end, like, riff, because it has, like, a part and then another part, you know what I mean? Like yeah, it's the, it goes and goes. You know that part, and I was like, okay, this sounds like a cool ending. I was like, no, we're not ending here. We're going to do this part Go again. too. Yeah. <laughs> we got to do the second <laughs> yeah, ending, yeah. you know, take it a step farther, uh-huh. so it was a, it's a fun one. You got to say this is the last time, so everyone knows. Oh, this is when yeah, we end it. Yeah, this is actually yeah, the, this last is the last time. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Let's move on to track number eight under serious attack. So I just want to say this isn't my favorite song on the album, but it has, oddly enough, my favorite section on the album. Okay. Interesting. Can I okay. guess what it is? Go for it, Josh. <laughs> Please. Because this is also my favorite section. Uh, the This Is War, Can I Take It Anymore part? So I know it's at 53 seconds, and I have to double check uh, how I think the that's later in the song. Lay over that. Okay. Um, oh, I love that. It's so cute that both of y'all have 
your favorite <laughs> section of the album on the yeah. same song in two different sections. It's well, it's literally. <laughs> cool. I just figured it out. It's my favorite my section, favorite section is just before Josh's, so they okay. uh, go okay. back to back. Ain't that cute? So oh. <laughs> this right here. So your every part time is this just... guy. Okay. Because it's so like ambient, but also jazzy. It reminds yeah. me of we recently or somewhat recently covered um, He Is Legends, I Am Hollywood. And we uh-huh. talked about uh, just their phenomenal pseudo bass chops, or yeah. sorry, pseudo jazz chops on bass mostly. Right. But but as a whole band, like their whole deal is just. Oh, yeah, like, we called them South Carolina's finest jazz band. Finest jazz band, yeah, nice. that's right. So <laughs> I think in that section, North Carolina. y'all, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. Um, I think y'all joined the ranks um, for that for that little section. It's like you're 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 going toe to toe with them for that nice. title. That's cool. I just love it. I think it's like <laughs> such a interesting departure from what we've heard on the album at that yeah. point, and the the lyrics again paint a picture. Um, the music supports that picture. It's like a perfect section of music. Cool. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And then your favorite part is this. Is that right? My favorite part of this song, yeah, is this okay. part where y'all are kind of going. It's the back and forth. I love the back and forth, and it like gets yeah. pretty energetic. Super fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, this is one that um, it's. I remember kind of sitting in a room at the apartment and kind of right, working on like a, a section of this, and just thinking like, man, what what am I trying to do with this? And you know, just kind of pulling a few parts together. I always like this part, um, like the instrumental kind of yes. pretty stuff, and so good. I just kind of like having that ambient vibe, you know, that kind of yeah. You kind of yeah. it kind of feels like it almost feels a little surreal, like yeah, takes you in a different to a different place. So I remember working on this one in my little bedroom in the apartment. <laughs> nice, nice. That's cool, man. I love that you can have like. That sort of like I was saying how Walls takes me to a time and a place. I I love hearing on the artist side of things that you can hear this song and it takes you back to when you were working on the yeah. song. That's so special. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very interesting how that works. Yeah. I think this is such a great showcase of y'all's voices too. Mm-hmm. Thanks. They sound so similar to me though. I don't know. I think, <laughs> I think they're the same yeah. guy. Wait, the same guy. are you sure this isn't just one guy singing? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and this is kind of the of this album. This one's kind of my like the intro feels a little R and B. You know, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, all yep. right, let's get a little like R and B going in this album. I don't want to leave that out. So track eight, let's spice intro. it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was able to kind of, and we did a a reimagined version of this song. On the, we did a album called Revival, yep. and it was mm-hmm. like some reimagined versions of the songs. And mm-hmm. our guitar player now, Chris uh, Chris Keen, who's he's just incredible. Um, he did most of the arrangements for that mm-hmm. and we just kind of kind of gave him some direction and he kind of worked his magic and just a different perspective on them. And uh, he came up with just a, such a cool version of this song and like I was able to kind of do these wacky like R&B <laughs> yeah. vocals that I wanted That's to so do. Nice. From the so, beginning, yeah, it was, finally got to realize it was fun, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, That's flex awesome. that boys to men muscle. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Sweet. All right, guys. Let's move on to track number nine, As Your Voice Fades. Why did you die?
I saw online, Devin, that uh, someone said that the screaming at the beginning is Matt. Is that Matt doing yeah. those? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm sorry, Matt. I will say I was never a fan of this song growing <laughs> up because of the screaming at the beginning. It was a little yeah. rough for me, so sorry, Matt. <laughs> I get it. But I, get it. I did enjoy it a lot more on this. It didn't bother me as much this, this listen. <laughs> High words yeah, this, of praise from that back in It didn't bother me sorry, as Matt. much this time. <laughs> I liked it, Matt. I, I've grown to like it, Matt. Thank you. That's funny. <laughs> so when we were first kind of um, getting – you know, our chops and figuring out what every, everybody does in the band. Um, Toby did most of the screaming and he did, you know, we didn't have Josh uh, at first and we just, so Toby did like all the walls stuff and he would do most of it live. And then Matt was like, well, I'll, I'll, you know, learn because, you know, me and Toby are always like, well, we don't want to scream all the time because we're still, we're trying to sing too. Yeah. We don't, we don't want to lose our voices. For sure. And so Matt kind of picked up the slack there and he, he just kind of figured out practice screaming and tried to get better and better and, you know, screaming while sing, playing guitar, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, this was like one of the first ones they kind of had to learn like, okay, I'm going to, I got to scream and play and, you know, and so, you know, if it, it the screaming feels a little bit more immature, in and in, and I don't mean that negatively. I just mean that's just kind of the vibe of it. So and and this this song itself feels real. It's it's a crowd favorite a lot of mm-hmm. times, but it it's it's kind of has that more standard screamo yeah, kind of sure. kind of formula to it. Uh, but I think totally. that's why people like it. Yeah, yeah. It's even got the female talking. Yeah. Uh, yes. through, yeah. Through yeah. the bridge, which, which is a staple. very like it <laughs> right. is a staple. You gotta have of, that song of, on of your the album. Time. Yeah. So I'm I'm curious how you guys came about adding that in. And I also I don't know if you guys like if you know what she's saying, because I can only kind of half make out what yeah. what, what they're saying. Cause because that was kind of the thing too with a lot of those songs. It was like it's really low down in the mix. Right. It's supposed to be kind of vague. Yeah, yes. I, although I, I, I think I think I so I, I've been playing around with like some AI vocal isolating programs, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I think uh, so I I took out oh, no. just that track. Uh, J- Josh is already laughing. He knows this is just. A <laughs> I know bit. this is, is totally going. just a right. bit. Um, we tried. So, so <laughs> we tried. <laughs> so I, I think I pulled out what 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 yeah. what they're saying, just the isolated vocal. So if you guys want to listen to that, yeah, let's uh, check it out. Th- yes. This I'd is what I think it. it is. Let's go to the clip. Yeah, can't wait. Great stories, Mr. Frugal. <laughs> the ones that really mattered. I believe it's this monologue from the two it's towers. Probably pitched Sometimes up a little bit, slightly. So That's I great. just need you to confirm here, Devin, that it <laughs> yes. is indeed. For Sam's all monologue from the Two Towers, the 2002 movie. That is uh, confirmed. Okay, yes, perfect. Confirmed. Well, and yeah. this was recorded in 2003, so you guys probably had to bring the recorder into the theater to <laughs> watch the, it because yes. it wasn't it was available boot, it was on bootleg. home video. It was a, yeah. it was a bootleg, bootleg recording. Y'all seem like those kind of guys, a little <laughs> yes. scrappy. Yeah, you're yeah, not, you're not afraid to, to take do, on you know? Peter Jackson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, th- thank good. you for indulging in my yes. very stupid. No, joke. that was actually um, uh, Seth's wife. Oh, cool. Na- now, so they met later 
after we recorded the album and uh, and everything. But um, do you want me to tell you what she says? I yeah. think I remember. Yeah, please. Yeah. So, I th- so I think it's the measure changed from the from my hands to my face, and I am left wanting. Mm. Why did you die? Uh, and I don't remember the rest. Mm. I don't think there's much after that. Yeah, right? it yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. a good chunk it's, of it. it kind of. Yeah. But that's most of it. So nice. yeah, that's all she said. So is she also the one that sings that like hidden track at the end of in a yes. win-win situation? Yeah. Oh, cool. Oh, cool. Nice. The army. It's called like the army. Or yeah, something. yeah. 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 Nice. There's a through yeah, line there. Sweet. Yeah. yeah. So I am curious what what led to the decision to do that because like like we talked about that that is kind of a staple of the genre mm-hmm. at that time. Right. I I don't remember what it was specifically. I just remember we wanted to do the instrumental part Mm -hmm. and it kind of felt dumb for one of us to, to do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just, (laughs) it didn't feel right. And, you know, he was, he was writing the song, you know, about his grandmother who had passed away and, um, Mm. I think it just felt appropriate to have a yeah, girl. Yeah. And you're right, it probably yeah. was it probably was, you know, influenced by something, yeah. you know, in our genre at the time too, some stylistic, you know, approach to to that. Um but yeah, but that's that also all I doesn't really make remember. it any less valid or, right. or yeah, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's there's definitely there's there's a cliche to it, of course, and you know, right. that's not anything offensive or anything it's just like exactly it's just what it was called it was what it called for yeah, yeah you know. for sure I, I think it yeah. totally works for a like second to last track i couldn't exactly, imagine the yeah. song without it you know like right. it just feels I've, like i've got it another like slight tangent but you know i i do have to say i really appreciate you guys like the way that y'all did that because i so i have a very personal story so the band forever the sickest kids mm-hmm. i really dug that band and they have one of those kind of like monologue things where there's like a female vocal it's kind of low in the mix on one of their early songs that i really loved like when i was in college like high school and college Mm -hmm. but i've come to find out since since then my wife's sister uh so my wife went to college with all those guys and her sister dated the lead singer uh, like all through college and stuff so she's actually featured on that like little monologue section, but it was a drunk voicemail that she sent to him while they were fighting, and he just oh, put geez. it in the song, which is like <laughs> fucking brutal, dude. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's called consent, this is like, man. It's, yeah, it's it was like consent. so rough, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm still like a little like I'm mad on her behalf about yeah, about course. it, wow. and I had to like reevaluate how I feel about all of that. So, <laughs> so I appreciate <laughs> that. Yeah, I just had to share that. That was just like wild to me. That's so, that's very yeah. crazy way to do like yeah. the bare minimum of like you know making sure it's above board <laughs> with the yeah, person no. that submitted the audio file. Yeah. Well, well, we had consent. I promise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, for Thank sure. You. That's what I'm saying. This is this is fully a compliment to you guys. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, it went in and was like thoughtful. It wasn't just like, That's funny. oh, this That's would be funny. crazy in a song. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, all right, guys, we got anything else, or are we gonna move on to the last track? We ready? Let's, let's do it. Let's I will say, it. I think the outro is this maybe the sludgiest moment on the album. Mm. Oh, for sure. And I love it. For sure. It's great. But 
Let's move on to the last track, The Secret. Don't tell, Kylan. I'm not going to tell. (laughs) Okay, okay. Longest song you guys, on the record. This yeah. is my favorite song. Of course it is. <laughs> on the record. Uh-huh. Of course it is. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is what's the song length on, on there now? Five and a half minutes? 556. Something. Yeah. 556. It was eight and a half when we first <laughs> No <read>. way. <laughs> full on eight and a half. chopped out a full three minutes of it. He did. Wow. Thank God. I mean, thank. I mean, it's Praise just. Be. <laughs> yeah, there was so much more instrumental stuff and we're right. like oh this is so awesome but it i'm so glad we chopped it <laughs> yeah it's, it's so cool it's still though super long but i i love oh, it yeah. you, so listeners of this show will know i hate long songs but mm-hmm. i will very often give a pass if it's the last song on a record i'm like yeah go for it be right. indulgent go all out like this <laughs> is the time pop, to do it know? and it is and this song it definitely is that cool and I feel like you have to sometimes, Devin, like go full into like the indulgent rock opera jam ballad, and then pair back. Like you can't, you can't write a three minute pop song, and then be like, oh, and then it should do this, and then it should do this, and then it should do this. Like a lot of times, it has to be going yeah. to the eight nine minute track length and then pairing mm-hmm. it back. Pairing it back, yeah, right. Right. right, like, because you can always yeah, take away, sense. but to add could potentially feel like bloated or, or thoughtless yes. or random. So it honestly makes a lot of sense you sharing that. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, like I could see how this could have been a little longer and right. taking some twists and turns, and instead we got this more succinct version that is perfect. I love it. Cool. It's such a good closer too. Like it really is. It's cool to know that y'all set it up that way on purpose again yeah. there's an intention there yeah this was um like i was kind of referring to before we wrote you know an early version of walls you know when we were in college and just like instrumental not much and uh the secret was one that an early one too and i think i wrote it in like the summer of 2000 or something like that and mm. um it was like my personal first song that was in this genre. It was oh, like okay. cool. before wow. this, everything I wrote was a little bit more kind of that mainstream kind of rock stuff and a little right. bit, you know, somewhere trying to figure out what I'm what I wanted to do and what I wanted to write. Right. And so this was the first one where it, it I really branched out into like a little bit more of the indie kind of emo yeah. stuff. So And it got to be the last yeah. track on Who's the Who's playing yeah. the guitar? At this That's spot Matt. here. Is that Matt? Oh, yeah. I love that line. Like, he's just yeah, he's he going for it, man. a cool part for that. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Sorry, Kyle. Didn't mean to catch up. Oh, no. You're fine. No. I'm just saying it, it's cool if this is, like, the first of right. Devin's attempt, yeah. like, at this genre. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have a very special place in my heart for opening tracks and closing tracks. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, e- even with a lot of these bands and artists that we've covered, we've talked about, 
have trash sequencing. Like mm-hmm. at least some thought was put into the first track and the last track. Yeah. And the you last get away track with a lot is, if you do that right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's true. And yeah. I think it's cool that that this ended up being the last track on the record. I was curious because, uh, like the the lyrics for this one, like a lot of Emery songs are pretty wordy and like pretty specific, but this one is like pretty short and simple and like yes. vague. And I was I was curious if like one you could that could just be like a first foray into writing. But I was like, is that intentional to keep like the anonymity of what the secret is about for the song? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's a little more it, enigmatic. It's, I think it's a little bit of both of like you know me kind of learning my lyrics lyrical style like okay what am i Mm. how do i want to sound or you know a little you know i was young younger too so it's you know you're just trying to figure all that out and yeah it was it was supposed to be a little vague you know obviously a lot of our songs back then had to do with faith and you know kind of how you're dealing with you know how we grew up and kind of changing in your beliefs a little bit Mm. and so you know this song felt like a real like like this was a real song to God, you know, kind of, it was like, Mm -hmm. you know, this is really actually how I feel, right? you know, and I want to actually say it. And this was the first time that I wrote something really more personal. Everything else was a little bit before this, like I said, it was a little bit more like, oh yeah, let's just write a cool rock song, you know? Right. Um, But this was like, okay, well, what do I want to say in this song? Yeah, more confessional. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, it came across, but the vagueness, I wanted it to feel, you know, a little heavy, you know, you know, I kind of, I wanted to paint a picture on the way to gray, you know, like, like this storm kind of a a setting of like being, you know, in the middle of this big gray, uncertain area of life Yes, is the way I wanted it to feel and just trying to figure out how to get out of, navigate your way through that, like understanding who I was and who, what my faith was and all that stuff. So that was kind of why I wanted it to feel a little vague and a little open-ended. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> I'm just that. trying to figure it out. But know? there's yeah, still like a little bit of like hope at the end. Like can't turn back now. I won't quit. I still love you. I swear I always yeah. will. Like that's, it is like the perfect, I feel like balance between like a little bit of mystery, a little bit of admitting that you don't have the answer but also right. some optimism, which is yeah. Yeah. just like chef's kiss for the cool. theme at the end of the week's end. Like the recipe for TJ's favorite song right there. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, tell you you got me. Yep. Yep. Nice. You figured out the formula. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of formulas, uh, so you have this one, the secret on the week's end, and then on the question you have the terrible secret. It's true. I wonder it's true. if they're connected. But or will we ever get a third entry to close out a potential secret trilogy? Secret trilogy. <laughs> the, <laughs> awesome secret. <laughs> the awesome secret. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. We might. We might have to. Yeah. You know? Maybe okay. that'll be That's in the musical. That's such a Josh musical. question. That's such a question. And I'm just not satisfied with two. I'm like, there has to be <laughs> well, a third one, obviously. You know... You know, we've thought about all those yeah. things too, but like we always get the question, like, oh, you, you know, I love your guys' album. The question, you guys think you'll write the answer? Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh well, maybe I don't know. <laughs> Good one. You, you, you yeah. should write an album called The Answer, and it's all just instrumental with quotes 
from the Lord of the Rings movies where people are answering <laughs> questions. <laughs> there you go. Or it's just all the parts Ed Rose cut out from this record <laughs> in their demo form. Yeah, now you're yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> all right, guys, we, we listened to this entire album and we talked about it at length. And I don't know, I, I had a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of questions answered, a lot of things oh, yeah. that I didn't even know. Yeah. So, Devin, the, this is usually the part of the show where we... Okay, so our typical format is before we listen to the album, we predict whether the album will be a flop or a bop because so much mm-hmm. of our show is predicated on kind of nostalgia. And so we'll usually in part A, we'll predict whether it's a flop or a bop and then we'll listen to it and then we'll give our final verdicts on whether we think in 2024 the album still holds up and is a bop. I'm just going to go ahead and get it out of the way that this is a bop for all three of us. It's obvious. Yeah. So <laughs> Was that a so, secret? So I would, <laughs> oh, I would rather spend this time talking to you about now that this record is... 20 years old like mm-hmm. how do you personally feel about it in in regards to the rest of of your discography and things you appreciate about it potentially maybe things you you would change i just i want to open up the floor to you about like yeah. just, yeah. maybe just, even you know how you relate to it personally too like exactly there's both the perspective of like the band emory and then there's Devin, right so right right i mean I think, like we kind of referred to earlier, I think it'll always be like one of the defining characteristics of who we are as a band. You know, the first album, and it kind of introduces us to the world, and it it's connected to us in a way that maybe even a few of our other albums aren't. You know, so it's it has um, some kind of long lasting power to it that has really made a difference in our career and our lives, of course. So I'd say we don't, and we, we're not the kind of band that ever feels any sort of embarrassment or regret or anything about something we wrote before, because it was just who we were when we wrote it. I mean, it's, there's a reason that we wrote it the way we wrote it at the time. It's because there was no other way to do it. Yeah. You know, yeah. I love that. We we've talked about that a lot on the show of like a song it's is come a up time a lot capsule. Recently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A song yeah. is a time capsule. Yeah. I mean, and and you know, we talked about this in our band so many times, like, you know, I'm only a man that mm-hmm. our third album that we wrote and people were expecting one thing and they got something different than they thought and we didn't you know, we weren't really thinking of it that way. We were just like, you know, we want to be original and different and right. do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do just have to interrupt and say that I'm only a man I think is the collective CJN favorite uh Emory album. Nice. <laughs> it's up there for sure. Well, that's cool. I mean, you know, we always make fun because we're like, everybody's like, oh, that's like my favorite album. I'm like, well, it, it wasn't when it came out. <laughs> exactly. So like, exactly. Where were you? Yeah, we, no, we talked about that. Like, we've been <laughs> apologists for a while. you now. Yeah. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, I mean, we under, and we understand, but... That's just part of being point, an artist. Mm, exactly. Growing. So we're like, you know, if we had written In Shallow Seas after a question instead right. of I'm Only Man, but that is actually impossible for us to do. There was right. no... For where you were. There was no way to do it. And yeah. so... Yeah. Yeah, so looking back on all these albums, especially the weeks in, it's like, yeah, that's just, I mean, that's who we were and that's who, yeah. you know, 
had got us here. You know that, yeah. that those young guys making those decisions are the are the reason that we're here this twenty years later, and right. the reason that most fans are here. So yeah, we're proud, and we you know we stick by it for sure. Yeah, that's a really balanced perspective, man. I'm 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 encouraged and like bolstered to hear you say that because like you cool. know looking back on my own work from however many five six seven eight nine ten years ago, it's like. It is tricky sometimes to relate back to that person and to that work and to greet it with kindness and acceptance and like warmth and understanding that it's a part of your journey and it's a part of, you know, who who you are and where yeah. you are today. So that's hey man, if Devin, if you can have that feeling <laughs> around a record that's twenty years old, let that be a lesson to the rest of us to yeah exactly. I have don't a know. Little grace. It's pretty. It's pretty easy to say that when you're talking about the wheat end. Like <laughs> I guess. I guess my, I'm proud of this record. My whole yeah. point falls yeah. apart, Josh. DJ, whenever you're at the wheat end, we can re- reevaluate this. They, okay, man. I'll 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 see y'all later. I'm gonna go work on it. Ah uh, no, it'll take me 20 years. But really, Devin, I, I I just love that you can can bring that perspective to to the table with an album that that is two decades in i mean that's crazy how does that feel yeah it's wild i mean it's you know you don't you didn't ex- we didn't ever expect 20 years it's like right, the yeah. whole time when you start you're like well i hope we can tour next year yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah <laughs> well right. well your your perspective is just like when you're in your early 20s it just is so different yeah. like yeah, you're yeah. not I thinking mean, about that it's exciting, and you know, there's ex- there's there's hopes. You know, you have for sure a direction you're going and and what you're trying to do, but there, it's always a little uncertain. And you know, with music, it's so uh, fleeting. You know, with people, the style okay. people like, and and ban- you know, bands they follow and things like that. And so, for us to kind of maintain for this long, you know, it's something that we're proud of. And absolutely. Y- you know, we we definitely don't take it for granted, and also, you you just kind of think it's not going to last forever, and so you yeah. you like let's really enjoy it while it lasts. I mean, let's yeah. just yeah appreciate it for what it is. You know, totally. I think that's yeah. the secret to uh, to a happy life as a musician, man. <laughs> um, okay, right. so I'm I'm gonna just before we say goodbye, I am just personally. Very curious. Devin, uh, I've been doing a really bad job about this on the podcast lately, but I genuinely am very curious. Like, what are you listening to now? Like, Ooh, like what are you, what are you yes. into right now? Because So we, we just did our uh, collective, like for our Patreon, we did our top 10 albums of, of 2023. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I've just, I've been thinking about music a lot more over the past couple of weeks. So I'm just curious what you're listening to. Yeah. I I mean if if I'm going to be totally honest I mean I don't I'm not the kind of person that listens to music regularly right right now yeah mm. I have you know like I said before I have three kids and yeah, yeah. right so whatever busy. your kids are listening to is what you're listening to sorta sorta and and they're <laughs> at the age now to where I you know I can definitely enter introduce them to some some cool music that I like right. and nice. and they a lot of it they they like it and they understand why I like it and they take to it some not for sure but um, yeah. but when I do I get in these phases of listening to music where I'm like okay I really want to kind of just you know kind of just enjoy music for a while 
Right. I, I listen to a lot of Bahamas. Oh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew uh, TJ lo- would love that. Oh. Love Bahamas. Uh, yeah. He's just, I just oh. think he's super, super talented. Yes. And super great. He's awesome. He made your top did you 10 like, list, right, TJ? Yeah. Yeah. Did you like Boot nice. Cut? His name is his last I did. Album? So good. It took, me, it took me a few listens to yeah. kind of get it. Yeah. But yeah, it's great. And he yeah. already released another EP. Yeah, I know. I just like saw a that. Couple, a few days ago or something. Ugh. But, um, Bahamas, I like again. I still like soul R and B stuff. I listen to Leon Bridges and yeah. what's his name, uh, Anderson Pack. Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah, love him. So you know, I mean, that's kind of my vibe. I I don't nice. really, you know, I don't really listen to too much in our genre unless yeah, unless someone recommends it and it's like, oh, check this out. This is really right. good, or it's mm. like a new release, and that then it's uh, it's respectable to right. me to like. Give a give it a listen, but yeah. if I'm just leisurely <laughs> listening to music, right. you know, I, I pick something pretty chill typically. Yeah, I love that. Nice. Well, guys, I think we're gonna about wrap it up. So you know, this is Devin. If there's anything specific you want people to listen to, I don't know how involved you are on social media and stuff. If you want people to follow that, but this is this is the opportunity. Uh, yeah. to share all that. Yeah, I mean, you can pretty much find Emory and on most any platform. Um, we got we're doing some weeks in shows this year, obviously. Oh, so cool. we got yes. some we got some acoustic shows coming up, and then we're doing a, a couple of tour legs uh, in the spring. Sweet. Most likely with uh, the almost those aren't announced yet, nice. but we'll get those out going. And oh, then this cool. summer we'll be doing stuff. So we're going to be celebrating the week's end pretty much all year. Awesome. And I think we'll be coming Great. to most places. So that's our Great. goal. So yeah, Emory music.com and you'll pretty much find everything we're doing. Awesome. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah we'll have to TG and I will have to make a pilgrimage to, I assume you guys are playing Texas and not Northwest Arkansas. So TJ and I will have to make uh, a pilgrimage down to Josh's territory. To y'all were just here y'all. in December. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sounds good. Look forward to it. All right. Well, if the listeners, if you enjoyed this, we have more nonsense like it on our Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Follow us on all the social medias. And, of course, from all of us at the CJN crew, may all your favorite bands stay together. And peace out, Montfrayers. <laughs>